90% of people can be redeemed. <laughs> they, they can just everyone in purple hyacinths just needs to get therapy. <laughs> lots and lots and lots of therapy. Can be getting therapy right now. We've got, we've got the ball rolling. Welcome to the Story Tinker Podcast, a place for in-depth analysis of stories, mainly from Webtoon. Co-hosted by sharp, witty, and dare I say, thirsty fans, we dive deep in every episode, analyzing character struggles, relationship development, and of course, theories. We also interview people working in creative industries. You can follow The Story Tinker on YouTube, podcast platforms, and social media. For bonus content, sneak peeks, and more, you can support The Story Tinker on Patreon. We're really appreciative of your likes, subscribes, follows, comments, and ratings on all platforms. Thanks for listening to The Story Tinker. And let's get started. An unknown person is speaking to Messenger 7, telling them that they're taking over the operations. We wonder whether this person is working for the leader or for Apostle the Seven supporters. They leave the messenger with new directives. At the APD interrogation room, two officers try to wake Elvira Lloyd, only to discover that she has been killed by Golden Viper Venom. The same Venom has killed Ryan Flemings, whom Bella has just killed, apparently, angrily. We speculate why. Kieran and Bella share an odd dynamic of youthful comfort, but also distrust. It doesn't take much convincing for a still-hurting Kieran to help Bella move the body. He also tries to dissuade her from sending Fleming's body to his family, no doubt because of the guilt he feels over similar actions. They quote a Barbie line before reaching the morgue, where a somber Moriarty receives him. Both Bella and Kieran seem to be fishing for information. Bella implies that Kieran is untrustworthy, and wonders why he keeps working for the Phantom Scythe now that his reason, probably the protectee, is gone. They engage in a short discussion about the morality of their behavior, with Kieran saying they had no choice, and Bella reminding him that they could always opt out. We learn that they have some sort of agreement between them, and that Bella owes him something, but her ultimate loyalty is to the Phantom Scythe. Bella once again pries, trying to find out if Kieran cares for Lauren. He denies such weakness, but points out Bella's own. She repudiates any affection, but would also kill Finera, so... We learned that Bella feels appreciation for the Phantom Scythe for rescuing her from being a Grey Chapel orphan, and to Apostle Seventh for making her powerful. We flash back to a younger Bella being abused by a drunk father and returning to kill him. Kieran and Bella debate on who is trapped, and Bella ends the conversation by claiming she needs to prepare for her next kill. We discuss the character's differing approach to morality and choice extensively, and end with horrible speculations about Kieran's final words and their potential irony. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 115, Precarious Pact of Purple Hyacinth. And today we have our regulars, Wu and Bundan, and we have a regular for MPL, Midnight Poppyland, um, Patty. So Patty, if you want to say hi, I'm very excited to have you on PH, So, but if the PH audience can be introduce you, that'll be great. Sure, sure. Um, so like Mindy said, I'm Patty, and I normally am on the Midnight Populand uh, podcast, but uh, I'm really excited to be here on Purple Hyacinth because this is like my third favorite webtoon ever on there. And I'm finally glad that I got a chance to actually be on here and talk with you guys about all of the psychological aspects because um, most of you, if you're coming from uh, the Midnight Poppyland fandom, you know that I'm a therapist and I love to dissect things psychologically. So that's what I tend to focus on. Yes. And um... So we're happy you're here for the psychology between, uh, well, the main characters in this episode. And I also would like to uh, make note, Hoot is very happy. <laughs> I yeah, thought that okay. when I was reading it. Yeah, like, oh. 
Bella, a whole episode of Bella. <laughs> yeah, okay, so I've probably mentioned it on podcast before, but um, Karen and Bella are my personal favorite, like, dynamic within the story itself. I know, shocking, it's not Bella R.C., right? Um, but yeah, so I was like, I saw the end of the last episode, and I was like, oh my god, if the next episode isn't about Karen and Bella dragging Ryan Fleming's body through our tallest I don't want it you know <laughs> like I was gonna like I was so hyped for this episode and it gave everything like <laughs> it's so good <laughs> it was right. it's like definitely one of my new favorite episodes yes so everybody's getting fed this season yes we are. <laughs> like, all right so let's start we start out with our um familiar wax logo says and then the stamp transaction concluded and it's on a form and then we zoom out we see a messenger and a hooded person and a table with a bunch of those documents on it and there we have text the plans for the delivery have been changed thanks to your most recent fiasco our other hideouts are safe for now at least and this is the messenger and it is not thanks to you (laughs) and then the other person is saying i've been well i think the other person said it's not thanks to you also right yeah yeah and this Anonymous hooded masked person says, I've been mandated to take care of the operation from now on. I hope that you prove yourself to be more competent than the other fools. Messenger, they are being taken care of. Other person signing something good. So I just want to go through this and then we'll discuss it. Here are the new directives. Envelope um, seals it. You know who to give them to. And then we see a, a little bit of a close-up of a person, but it doesn't really help because there's just eyes and a nose. <laughs> I so, zoomed in on that and I turned up the brightness all the way on my phone. I was like, who the hell is that? <laughs> I don't know why. The one I was scrolling, and my first immediate knee-jerk one was like Herman, but then it's like, no, not Herman, <laughs> I think. But like, I don't know why it gave me Herman vibes. I, I don't know why, but. I think it's like the doom and gloom in the eyes, you know? Yeah. yeah. There's like when... so many lines under that man's eyes. Oh, that person's eyes. <laughs> we don't know their gender. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. when when I saw them, I was oh, can I, I just do the last right line? Now. Oh, last yeah, line, sorry. Rescue's plans might have been shattered, but not the leaders. So yeah, so let's figure out what is going on here because I'll admit okay. it was a little confusing to me, like yeah. to figure out what's happening. Okay, so what I've picked up from the scene is that this isn't the Grim Goblin, I believe, where Kieran gets his orders from um, Messenger Four, and it's mainly because. Uh, The table is different and the room is much smaller, Um, as well as the hooded figures mentioned to your most recent fiasco in reference to the factory. This is also likely not Messenger 4. It's more likely to be Messenger 7, who worked with Apostle 7 to, um, you know, kind of just like be a messenger between the people who are working for um, Apostle 7. And we don't really know who this hooded person is. Um, They're... yeah probably someone with ties from the circus I would say like I would say like circus is where I would be the most suspicious of mainly just because of the circus's ties to Redcliffe who we definitely know now is Apostle 7. Finally confirmation. (laughs) You know me I always think that uh, Messenger 7 is Raphael just because the tattoos in the same spot Mm -hmm. could be a different person same tattoo spot like whatever but that's just like the only person we know of with the wrist mm-hmm. tattoo and they were the ones at the carmine camellia and they got yeah. the they were the messenger that we saw there and everything so mm-hmm. we know that so that's who it is in my mind though it could not be so yeah 
uh, I've presented this theory multiple times, but I like to believe that it's Athena who is the ringleader of the circus. Mm. Um, there's not a ton of evidence to go with it, but by now, like we do have it confirmed within the comic that voice modifiers do exist. Mm. And so I, I just think, you know, you could fit a voice modifier in that beak, right? <laughs> in the messenger beak, yeah. Um, well, and if you think about it, not not I'm not great with tinfoils with uh, purple hyacinth, but mm-hmm. if you think about Athena and like the type of the goddess that she's named after, mm-hmm. I mean, this is uh, a strategist, yeah, mm-hmm. at its at her core, so it would totally fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and additionally, like Athena also has that baton with a bird's head mm-hmm. on it. I wonder mm. where else we've seen bird heads, you know? Well, then. Um, yeah, well, kind of weird. Animals. Out of all the animals you could have beheaded to put on baton, you had to pick a bird. Exactly. Um, yeah, bird heads. I've seen those before, but... Yeah, but, oh. um, yeah. I think the hooded figure is a guy because they kind of just look more like how Soph draws dudes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, it again, it is kind of harder to tell, so... Yeah, but, the, okay, so the one thing that confused me is that it seems like this person is talking to Messenger Seven about mm-hmm. continuing with the Apostle Seven's plans. But mm-hmm. then the last line is like, "Oh, the Red Cross plans are shadowed, but not the leaders." So, what are they doing exactly? Are they continuing Apostle Seven's plan, or are they taking over the operation for the leader? Like, did you understand that? I think I'm. Yeah, I would agree with you. I'm a little vague on it. I think they're still continuing the plan. Um, for Apostle 7 because of the mention of the other hideouts Um, Mm -hmm. so they have other places besides the factory but you know now like Flemings and as we'll find out later in this chapter Elvira are dead so I don't know like because it's the messenger who's more like it's our hideouts who are safe and this hooded figure Mm -hmm. who's like y'all really messed it up right Um, and because the hooded figure says I've been mandated to take care of the operation for now so the operation is still going who meant by person? the apostle seven yeah hmm. uh, because yeah. they say again they say that i hope you will prove yourself to be more competent than the other fools which is referring to fleming sake elvira onslow etc mm-hmm. um and then they are being taken care of is you know bella slicing them yeah. <laughs> okay yeah i guess the last line just confuses me because mm-hmm. yeah one. and then i think I think for the leader, how the leader plays a part in this is that how, although like Redcliffe kind of failed, um, like the leader has not failed yet. And so I feel like it might be kind of saying that it's like the leader still has it out for him, sort of like the leader still has like a goal or I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so confused I, I think by that line as well. The vibe I get is that the leader, like, because I wasn't on last week's recording, I haven't had a chance to watch it either, but, like, seems that the leader is taking, is kind of realizing that what Seven was doing is kind of, like, getting support within the organization, mm-hmm. and he's mm-hmm. kind of trying to make the best of it and kind of trying to flip it to make it his thing, mm-hmm. right? So that's the kind of vibe I'm getting from it, that he's kind mm-hmm. of, he's kind of pushing Seven out of the picture and kind of making it his own thing for mm-hmm. his own to, to like maintain his power maintain like his grip on the people and the organization that mm-hmm. type of thing right that's mm-hmm. the vibe i get so i think yeah. that's what thing where they're moving all the all the assets and the resources over to his control 
Hmm. Yeah, I was also thinking that like similar, like along the lines of that is like the leader was just taking control of the operation right now that Seven was wherever, because Seven is kind of incapacitated right now after the last episode because Seven got taken away yeah. to who knows where. Hmm. Um, and so this hooded person might have just been sent by the leader to like, you know, do damage control. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, we'll see more soon. And the next scene, we have um, Mrs. Lloyd hunched over on a table, hand-cuffed hands, looks like an interrogation room. And we have two APD officers, you know, looking at each other with a questioning glance. And they're like, oh, Miss Lloyd, this isn't a place to sleep. But she's not sleeping. They pick her up and she oh. is, but very clearly has been dispatched by the Golden Viper Blade. They're like, mm-hmm. ah, doom. She goes yeah. to free She did. Um, uh. Yeah, I. My main question for the scene, like, it's a very straightforward scene, but mm-hmm. what I've been wondering is, how did Bella get in there? Like, uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, the guards are probably at the door. So my guess is that she like went through the fence, which means Bella sus. But you know, that means mm-hmm. Luna isn't the only person to use the fence in this comic i don't know if this was just me but uh like this is just the vibe i got like if she's in like an actively guarded area where mm-hmm. she's being like surveilled like 24 mm-hmm. 7 right like she's not really alone at this point because she's like a prisoner of interest and like mm-hmm. all this other mm-hmm. stuff i thought that maybe she had like a like a cap of the venom maybe in like a fake tooth or something and she's like i mean it's a bad way to go but like people did it in the past so they had like cyanide capsules for mm-hmm. example mm-hmm. to like yeah. escape interrogation not say anything but also they know for a fact that it would be worse to be left off because then they would probably get killed mm-hmm. by another assassin in just as brutal a way so i don't know yeah. that's the vibe i got potentially but like they mm-hmm. don't really make it clear that's just the, the mm-hmm. logic in my brain if that makes sense yeah yeah for what i was thinking is that like about that is that golden viper venom is pretty expensive i'm pretty sure herman was when he said that so i don't know if they would actively be making like capsules of it and also like i don't know why someone would choose um golden viper venom as a way to go out because it is very painful um and also the messenger's line of they are being taken care of they yeah. referring to multiple people so not just fine fundings and so it's you know Vera probably yeah. was the one being yeah, that was the one after thing. so yeah that was the one thing that was kind of like hmm, but like i don't know how bella could have gone in there killed her and then dipped without yeah. anybody noticing well i mean she she went in for yeah. harvey so i think yeah. she went for harvey but like I mean, she went you guys harvey, are giving the ardalis police too much credit <laughs> like yeah. they've been infiltrated okay. how many I mean, times true <laughs> yeah we got to remember that these are the people who looked at two charred bodies beyond identification and we're like yeah that's definitely the vigilante duo duo and we can tell the whole world that they are most certainly dead so yeah i don't know i just can't give them that much credit i'm like (laughs) you guys have been infiltrated how many times and (laughs) you still have one in your midst and you don't even know it or more than one potentially one minimum yeah Yeah. one in that office they put they put um onslow who is one of the old loon convicts in like the most guarded place in artolis mm-hmm. right in in the tower and this is probably not the tower because she's mm-hmm. in an interrogation room not a cell mm-hmm. but you know if onslow was given that much like um importance and just like as like a prisoner then lloyd probably was too mm-hmm. and so i think it's impressive that bella probably got past a bunch of guards mm-hmm. and killed none of them 
<laughs> you got to Lloyd, you know, Kira, you, 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 you know your place, you know, you thought of her book. Yeah. All right. So speaking of Bella, that's our next scene. We have bloody Bella standing over bloody Flemings. She's so hot. You outfit. I know oh, you outfit. <laughs> I know. She looks Thank very God. It's great. And I just couldn't help but like the look. I'm sorry. Do you want me to pause before you? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I was gonna say the the next panel where it kind of mm-hmm. closes in on her face. What a dead psychopathic face. Mm-hmm. Like I can't get over that. She's just like you can tell she's not feeling anything right there. I think okay, so we have a lot of Bella like insight later on. So I guess mm-hmm. we'll save it for them because I do there's a lot to say about I think we'll have different opinions, I think, about what Bella's okay. emotional state is because yeah, I just think we will. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to say that her look here reminds me a lot of when she killed that one woman back in episode 88, because mm-hmm. it didn't look like she really took any like pride or like joy from that either. It was like very much like a monotonous expression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she looks tired to me. That's right. It's just like she's like another day on the job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's also, what Karen just, says. He's I like, just, oh, Belladonna, what a charming surprise. How does it work today? <laughs> yeah, I just noticed that um, the cut, like where she put the blade in in Fleming's, it's smoking. I'm like, damn. Ooh, but that's like, I didn't really pick up on that. What is this, this venom, right? Because it's like, it causes you to decompose and smoke and all of these things. <laughs> I'm like, what is in these snakes? How do these snakes not kill themselves with this shit? Like, <laughs> I don't know like how can you even handle this stuff and not die immediately <laughs> we're just gonna say magic for right now yeah. <laughs> I mean we got a girl who can detect lies they got some like weird fauna mm-hmm. in this universe I guess and I, I just accepted that Hecate whose predictions are most likely definitely gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> I like your most likely definitely yeah <laughs> Yeah, so Kieran's all casual about it. He's like, oh, how was work today? And I think, you know, she's like, oh, short and sweet as always. And that's one of the things that is, I don't know what to say, like interesting or like indicative of their relationship is that they both had very, very nasty jobs. And they both, whether whether they want to be, um, ignore the seriousness of what they're doing, whether they think the other person wants to do that, which mm-hmm. I think is more in Kieran's mm-hmm. case, but they're both very flippant about it. And I do think they have slightly different motivations. I think for Kieran, it's a little bit yeah. more of an act um, where he wants to pretend that mm-hmm. it's totally normal yeah. that they're just assassinating new people. Um, well, and it's it's ultimate dark humor, right? When you work in a, like when you work in that kind of line of work. So like, even as a therapist, I have a really dark sense of humor because you hear the worst of humanity all day long right and so you get a little desensitized to it to an extent and it's more to like protect your own psyche um but also you know you just you do end up having to be a little bit cynically humorous about it or otherwise you'll crumble emotionally um so i could see that becoming part of their way to cope through all of this mm-hmm. um and just kind of using the hey how's tuesday at the office kind of humor 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with uh, Patty. I thought that it was definitely Kieran. Like, I think they're both somewhat desensitized to it. Like, not probably mm-hmm. not fully desensitized to it, but, yeah. like, you know, there's very much a difference in how Kieran reacts to his murders now versus how he reacted to that chandelier man murder sure. back from episode 78. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he doesn't express nearly as much emotion as he did back then because... Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, Bella's just whatever. Like she gets it done with immediately. Yeah, Kieran we, we acts that. like how Bella feels. <laughs> right, and I do think it is an act because we know that he feels tremendous guilt over himself, and he every time he looks at himself in the mirror, he sees a monster, he sees blood, yeah. he thinks himself as a monster. So we know that internally, you know, mm-hmm. even if he doesn't break down crying every single time like mm-hmm. he did for his first time, he definitely still feels. A lot yeah. of regret, obviously the, the purple yeah hair, you know? yeah Kieran isn't desensitized of it to the point where like he just has no emotions at all but mm-hmm. he is I'd say to the point where he can do it like just get it over with right mm-hmm. yeah for those short ended. stints mm-hmm. and then I think particularly when he's around people right like him and Bella like they have that dynamic where it's like he can say these things and she'll like respond back and they have their kind of own like flavor of banter right Mm -hmm. around Mm -hmm. their work because that's all they probably had to talk about growing up together like we don't know when they met really they probably met when they were like teens so Mm -hmm. it's like yeah this is just how their relationship is so him kind of falling into this even though there's a dead body there he's kind of desensitized but it's more like oh hey Bella what's up like this is not he's probably found her in this situation before yeah (laughs) yeah this ain't the first time (laughs) i mean like in the 73 flash in one of the 73 flashbacks she is like standing over his body because he was shot it was just Mm -hmm. laying on the ground so he's like plumbings i know how you feel (laughs) yeah so she wipes her blade and she's like short and sweet as always and kieran is looking down at the body and he says you went angry on this one Bella has this mm-hmm. little smirk and she's like, what's wrong with having a little fun from time to time? Yeah, I, I have two thoughts about this panel. So mm-hmm. the first one, it's like Bella has a red eyelid on her yeah. right now. She looks so good. But also, um, <laughs> this is like definitely different than what Bella usually does as Kieran makes a point to say like you went angry on this one. And for me, like we don't really know that much about Flemings, but it kind of mm-hmm. makes me think that he did something to offend her personally at some mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Well, um, I, I'm more inclined to think that she was in a bad mood because of something else, because we mm-hmm. haven't had any, any, any indication that Fleming's honestly is not more than just like a stock mm-hmm. uh, operations guy, you know, like he mm-hmm. has, he doesn't have any personality. So I don't, I, I kind of think it's not Fleming's. I don't see them developing him further as a character. Yeah. I, I would think it's more like just Bella and her mood. Oh, yeah. I think I also think it's the fact that he was working to betray the leader right so it's like mm-hmm. she has had her eye just like sake just like Elva- Elvira mm-hmm. all these people right they're all in this secret operation and as we see later in this chapter she kind of feels like this deep sense of loyalty to the phantom scythe so it's like she sees anybody who goes against what they're going for as like okay her enemy because she g- works for the leader first and foremost she says that like in a few mm-hmm. panels right so I think that's yeah. part of it is that she's been wanting to kill this guy for a while and now she finally got to and she had a great time doing it. Yeah. Um I didn't think like I didn't think too much about this panel, but it was kind of like just my initial thoughts like, oh, mm-hmm. let me say something to her. But Minnie, you bring up a good point. Like maybe she was angry over something because this is that's a lot of blood. It's <laughs> a lot of blood. Um, but 
it it makes me think of episode 91 because I was still relatively recent like maybe a week or two ago probably two weeks ago and I don't know if she'd be angry about it for that long, but I don't really imagine her really having the best day mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. Um, that conversation with Redcliffe because he did kind of like threaten Darcy again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she just got hit with her ex coming back, you know, the night before. So I think anyone would be rightfully upset <laughs> over that, you know. Right. Well, and when you're when you're one of those types that... Um, you know, in order to do the job that they do, they have to do a lot of emotional stuffing, right? And mm-hmm. just like we were talking about before, I think Bella, she has stuffed to the point where she's forgotten what it's like to feel emotions. And just like I said, like having her ex pop back up plus things going wrong, it's made her feel a little bit, I think. Mm-hmm. And so she's channel yeah she's trying to stuff it back down and channel it um through this contracted kill right because any other day this would just be a normal job for her like oh I was told to go do this I'm just gonna go do it because in the past she's been very clean calculated and just very smooth in her killings right Mm -hmm. and this one she decides to to rough him up a bit Mm -hmm. and even even the one even Lloyd um mm-hmm. the kill she did in there that was messy too yeah um so that, that's a really good point because with Sake and Harvey they were both like just single slits like mm-hmm. she slit Harvey's throat and then she did this tiniest cut on Sake's cheek um and then with the woman from 88 I think she threw her knife into the into her back which mm-hmm. is definitely it came like, out through the, under her chin oh okay yeah which is definitely more (laughs) violent than we've seen before Um, or and then with Fleming's here she full-on just stabbed him like right in the front she Mm -hmm. like had to pull her knife out of his torso um and that's definitely um, very quick a stab in the chest yet by the heart spreads faster kills him faster potentially I I don't know how this works I mean Mm -hmm. sick did like just collapse to the ground right after it's a very like fast working um, Ah. venom so Mm. I don't think it really matters where you cut it as long as you do cut it and they're gone. Mm. So Kieran kicks kicks him basically, or okay, pokes him, sorry. Pokes uh, Fleming's and says, isn't that your former colleague? Precisely. Which that would bolster our theory, right? Precisely is, mm-hmm. I mean, that's why she's angry at him. That she, he was betraying the leader. So that, mm-hmm. that line I think makes sense. Yeah. And then she grabs him under the cheek. Well, sorry, almost grabs him under the chin. Uh, <laughs> Which I'm wondering, like, is the blood, does it still have traces of poison in it? Is it dangerous to touch to the skin? Like, that's my thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. this stuff, it, like, just a little bit getting in your bloodstream can kill you almost instantly, right? I mean, it clearly is, like, through the blood, right? But, and yeah, she just got his blood all over her face. She maybe hit right. an artery or something and went, you know, like, that's probably <laughs> what happened. Um, so it's like, are there traces of it on her like face and stuff and but i mean she clearly knows how to handle it but Mm. like this is her weapon of choice right so Mm -hmm. i guess it's safe to touch it's like venom technically you can drink it and so long as you don't have any cuts in your mouth or in your stomach you will be fine (laughs) yeah it's once it gets in your bloodstream that it really does things to you the difference between venom and poison right i'll be damned i did not know that yes 
yeah. biologist. Hey, I'm still not <laughs> yeah. going to drink venom. Just FYI, yeah, you can drink yeah. venom. But you still can't not going to risk that. Yeah, no, yeah. but like, yeah. So, so yeah, my first thought for this panel, she looks so good. Second thought, um, yeah, building off what Bundan said, uh, like in one of the above panels, she was like wiping the knife with a cloth, and I was like, "Girl, is that safe?" Like I was thinking that. Um, right. and that, then I realized that like she's wearing gloves too which are probably also made of cloth like mm-hmm. are you sure you have no paper cuts <laughs> yeah well, and Kieran's like to die, so don't touch me <laughs> his face I know it's yeah. like, that's major freak out face <laughs> yeah I, I love his face here it looks like kind of derpy but also like the one to help me move want to help me move the body like the good old days Kieran like <laughs> This is nothing new to them. Like, I love this so much, you know? He's like, not particularly. No, it's like your friend asking, like, hey, I got a couch I need to put on the sidewalk to be picked up by, like, the yeah. garbage guys. You want to help help a brother out? And you're just like, nah, that's, that's the same vibe, except with a dead body. Yeah. You know, as one does. <laughs> yeah. Look, look, if you guys aren't carrying a dead body through the city, are you guys even friends? Like, come on. <laughs> and speaking of come on, that's exactly what she says. She's like, come yeah. on. The white face. Her. <laughs> her face transforms. She's no longer like cruel, callous, cold, calculating. She's childish. She's whiny. Oh, I love her so much. I was like, oh, I'm going to have to wipe the blood clean or the shop owner is going to get mad at me again. <laughs> Like, it, it reminds me of like siblings arguing you know like yeah it's like yes I could like replace the dialogue in this panel and it'd be like you know Bella complaining about the chores she has to do you know in front of like her brother Karen. and I'm like yep. it's so good like, I, yeah sorry, I'm sorry well no and there's the there's a psychological oh sorry uh, yeah sorry uh, go, please go ahead um I was gonna say there's actually a psychological phenomenon between people people who were raised together and Mm -hmm. and like when you go back home and you interact with each other you typically regress in age Mm -hmm. in terms of your behavior Mm -hmm. um and I I even notice myself doing this when I go back home and go see old friends like suddenly I have a Spanglish accent and I'm acting like I'm 15 again (laughs) um so I can definitely see that here between these two (laughs) yeah Yeah. like I feel like especially later like when mm-hmm. Bella brings up Kieran's girlfriend it, it reminds oh, yeah. me of like you know like teens gossiping right mm-hmm. you know teasing each other and I love that for them mm-hmm. yeah and part of me thinks that I feel like she's exaggerating a little a little bit just oh, yeah. for yeah. on purpose for comedic effect yeah. where she's like yes I know this is crazy and it's a dead body and I'm gonna milk, milk it and make it as absurd as possible mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, you know, she it. knows that she could do that with him, and it's not like gonna be weird. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I love how I'm gonna have to wipe the blood clean, or the shop owner is gonna get mad at me again. <laughs> like this has happened before. Um, the shop's just her perfect place. It's right by yeah. the morgue. It's in the part of the city where people don't care about people dying. You yeah. know, Our, oh, it's a dead body next door. <laughs> like. No one questions two people dragging a body out to the alleyway. (laughs) (laughs) They recognize the purple hyacinth like immediately, like from the last episode. It's like, hey, yo, that's the purple hyacinth. What? And then like imagine those those same guys like chilling out there. They're like, yo, 
Yo, yeah, they just killed that guy. Wow. Uh, we saw nothing. Awful. Yeah, and Kieran's reaction, he just rolls his eyes and he does what she wants him to do, by the way, because mm-hmm. Kieran is, I think, ultimately like a soft boy at heart. And he says, kill him in some dark, narrow alley like normal people do next time. <laughs> the best line. <laughs> I laughed no. so hard at this. Kieran, Kieran, you don't understand. Bella's not like other assassins. She's a material girl. She's like too mainstream. Yeah. Uh, but she's I not basic. Kieran is the kind of guy that at, he'll complain, I don't know why, but he did it. Like, he didn't take, he just like, she's like had one fetch and he was yeah. like, following her orders because he's a softy. He's a bro. <laughs> like, you know, his, his friend ask for help and he will drop everything to help a sister out and i respect that yeah <laughs> however this does make me wonder like kieran and bella it, yeah they have helped each other out before you know with their assassinations and they are like partners like they would be sent mm-hmm. on missions together um but i wonder like in a more high stakes situation how they would have helped each other out more because later on in the episode we do find out that bella has a debt to kieran so mm-hmm. i'm like Kieran, this is probably not the first time where Bella has had to ask you for help. Like, I'm just, hmm. hmm. Well, and actually, I'm actually, well, Jesus, I'm suspicious of her intentions with this conversation, honestly, because she seems Mm -hmm. like the type of person, now that you bring up the debt, um, she seems like the type of person who would not want to be indebted to someone, no matter who they are. Um, And I think she's information gathering here too and so she's trying to put him off with the banter and the humor to get him to get him comfortable and disarm him um and i think he's trying to do the same to her because he suspects something about her Mm. so it's this it's this interesting dynamic where they're both picking at each other but i'll get to that in a little bit yeah i mean building a bit off that whenever Mm -hmm. we see bella and kieran it's very much like a battle of the wits right they're both trying to like figure out what the other one is up to Mm -hmm. um as we saw in like the bar scene from season one and and then you know in episode 72 and 73 so um yeah well information is leverage yeah (laughs) information is blackmail Yes. A code to live by. <laughs> yeah, like I, I totally agree. Like they're comfortable with each other, but they're mm-hmm. they don't trust each other at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I described it on the server last night as like a weird mix of like almost loyalty and suspicion at the same time. Because yes. like, yeah. we see like one thing we learned in this chapter is that they look out for each other, they don't rat on each other, they mm-hmm. keep secrets for each other, even from their bosses. But at the same time, they don't trust each other far enough to throw them, you know, like they, Mm -hmm. it's, it's tentative and it's careful and it's cautious and it's all in like, they want to understand each other's motives in a way, but it's very personal. I don't know. It's really interesting. This, what we've learned. It's it's very um, different as well for like Bella, at least, because, um, she does have like it, it's implied that she has like relationships to other people in the phantom side like you know the circus because that's mm-hmm. kind of who she was raised with and it's very much implied that a lot of the circus is has ties to the phantom side um and bella shares a lot of like very incriminating information about her own views in this episode to kieran and she and she feels comfortable doing this even though like just two weeks ago ish 
um, you know, her ex stopped by and that was enough for someone in the circus messenger seven to rat on her to mm-hmm. the apostle. Mm-hmm. And yet in this, she literally like, yeah, I'd kill the apostle for my girlfriend. What about mm-hmm. it? Interesting. <laughs> well, she trusts Kieran in that regard, not mm-hmm. to, not to rat her out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of like that because it definitely like illustrates a difference between Bella's relationships and especially like in her professional life, because there isn't really a lot of people who she can like talk to about things like these, but with Kieran, she, here she is doing it. Um, mm-hmm. But like with anyone else, she'd probably get reported to the apostle immediately. And I think, um, you know, the same goes for Kieran. They don't really have a lot of people that they can tell about the things they do without getting like backstabbed. And, mm. um, you know, Bella says that like she has her little moral code about how she won't tell anyone because he hasn't done anything drastic yet. Hmm. You know, for this not being a moth. So oh, that's it. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, oh no, I was... backstory so bad. yeah there's a lot we don't know and we're three seasons into this for sure (laughs) um but what i was gonna say was you know for this not being a mafia comic it sure got some mafia undertones like we we trust within but we don't trust Mm -hmm. yeah oh my god kieran with an italian accent (laughs) no no like no instead of instead of like you know random like little like french like phrases he says he's just speaking in an Italian accent like the entire time like a heavy like New York Italian accent (laughs) or like I'm picturing Boston like Irish like you know South Boston like that as well I'm just like oh god (laughs) (laughs) sorry I'm getting us off track guys okay let's continue because I don't like that image necessarily sorry (laughs) and Kieran winces with pain as he is picking up the body so he still hasn't recovered yet. And he's like, all right, you're dealing with the blood on your own though. Where are you going to drop this off? And Bella smiles. She's like, and as she lifts Fleming's, you know, upper part up, good old Moriarty, which more is death, obviously in Latin roots, is going to take care of him. Might send him back to his family, Ugh, which is gross, obviously, disgusting <laughs> and nasty and cool. Okay. Not that, not that we're surprised that the phantom scythe is gross, horrible, nasty, and cruel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Kieran says not sure the family wants to see this the speed at which your victims decompose is amazing which credit to kieran i do think he genuinely you know is trying to prevent the family from seeing this horrible image of their their family member yeah so i do think that that he's really trying to to prevent that and you know be a good guy like it's like funny he says that but like he's done some things that's like almost so much worse like the dad coming home and seeing his like entire family like dead sat up in the on the couch and stuff. I was like Kieran you've done some nasty stuff too sir don't like and that's why he's bringing it up because yeah. he, felt, he felt that was that memory was so present to his mind when he flipped mm-hmm. out and and thought of himself as a monster when he was triggered by Lauren calling him that that's what came to mind because he felt so guilty about it yeah yeah Ugh. oh my god i just realized bella's not actually wearing gloves like in the next channel <laughs> oh, she's not wearing glo- those are Look her painted yeah, nails right nails. there yeah unless she has nails on her i mean they oh do have god, those girl. yeah they do have them now but like a girl safety <laughs> come on mm. come on 
Yo, what if Bella dies because she accidentally like has a cut in her hand and the venom gets oh, well. poisonous so she dies? Oh. I, a welcome relief, you know. <laughs> and she's like waves those perfectly manicured hands. She's like, ah, it's not that bad. It's just these little shaping. And then Kieran, as they're dragging him out, he's like, to the salon. They quoted oh the Barbie meme. I okay, look, I, I didn't grew know that up with Barbie in the dream house, which is where this quote is from. When I saw this, because it had a bit of a reemergence on TikTok. It did. Recently, it had a meme. This was like <laughs> the meme. When I saw this, I was like, oh my God. Kieran and Bella played with Barbies when they were kids. Like <laughs> that is that is where like Bella learned about titty windows and then Kieran ripped off the titty windows from Bella and the Barbies, you know? Wait, oh rather than that. Somebody needs to make a meme out of this. Okay, I'm not the person because I don't do that myth stuff, but someone needs to do it. <laughs> it's it's gonna be there in like give five weeks when this episode becomes free. There's gonna be so many memes of it. There's gonna be the audio, <laughs> the, the clip playing with them saying it, them in Barbie world. So many things. So many things. I just wanna say uh-huh. if they were characters in Barbie in the Dream House, Kieran would be Ryan and Bella would be Raquel. I'm correct on this. I yeah. And I have no idea. Ryan and Raquel are siblings in that show too. So watch the Barbie movies that are up to only like the ones that were released pre two thousand eight. So like, my my knowledge is limited other than other than the memes. So yeah, Barbie in the Dreamhouse is like straight gold. I know it's a kids show, but like there's some stuff in there that's like. I was just talking <laughs> about really this good show. The podcast on about kids shows being good. So yeah. Oh yeah. Well, if anyone has watched it and uh, and knows Ryan and Raquel are, please comment below if you agree with food assessment. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Basically, Raquel is the one who's trying to get with Barbie's boyfriend, um, Ken, but she's like very much like you know, kind of like sassy. Like um, she's like the mean girl stereotype, you know. And then Ryan is like her dumbass brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's not nice. Is but, Barbie in that analogy, Darcy. <laughs> Raquel, and <laughs> Anywho, so we now are at the morgue. They have indeed dragged his body all over the place. We didn't get to see anyone's reactions. Presumably, it's not significant enough to even show. <laughs> and they reach this building, grimy, dirty, old-looking building. And he asks, "So, why did you kill him? Trying to gain some redeeming points after the shit show your operation has been?" And she's like, "Just like your mission to find Lumi." <laughs> Oh my god. (laughs) I love how like the entire PS is in on this, on how Kieran like failed. You know, they were like the gutter snatcher, like, damn, the purple hyacinth like just failed his mission, you know. I wonder what he's doing here. And then fellas like rubbing it in too. Meanwhile, Kieran's just there like, I didn't have to kill anybody. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they were gonna he was gonna take already dead people, but yeah. Yeah. And he reaches up against the door, winces, he's in pain again. And he's like, and results the same, isn't it? Can't say the same for you. And she is also kind of trembling, I guess, just with the exertion of holding him. Okay. And she's like, my role has always been to watch and kill. I was keeping an eye on them for the seventh, but I'm working for the leader before anyone else. So they're making us very clear where Mm -hmm. her loyalties lie. Mm -hmm. And she says, the order came from him. I don't need redeeming points. This line makes me kind of think that Kieran has been in a situation where he had to, um, sorry, that he had to like 
you know get redeeming points because Kieran does have a bit of like a sketchy track record I'd say like I mean he's literally like mm-hmm. in the vigilante duo, the duo that's trying to take down the leader I he's probably been a bit rebellious before mm-hmm. um especially with like you know the protectee um mm-hmm. and so like if Kieran felt any way towards the protectee that Bella does towards Darcy then he probably would have been you know a bit like less abiding by the rules mm-hmm. in the PS but um he still was number one just because out of his like skill so yeah I feel like Kieran in the past would have had to do something like as redeeming points maybe it was Hanbury you know to show like his his like loyalty well and what's interesting is that throughout the seasons and maybe it's just because we have an insider's look in his own head mm-hmm. I, I think you know there are enough people and even Bella talks about it later on in the episode of like you know, he knows, you know, the leader knows who to trust. And so, you know, he's got a reputation for, you know, kind of skirting the rules and doing what he wants. And, um, you know, and it's, it's pretty obvious that he's bitter about the Phantom Scythe. Um, whereas, you know, what's interesting, like, even though here Bella is stating like, I'm, but I'm working for the leader before any, anyone else. I'm not sure I entirely believe that because I feel Mm -hmm. like she works for herself first Yeah, and she just, she tacks her compass to whichever side is going to get her to win. She doesn't care who it is. Mm -hmm. Right. So she really has no allegiance to anyone, but herself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I totally agree with you on that one. I, uh, a while back I was I like wrote this thing on like why I believe Bella to be a morally gray character because like if mm-hmm. you put it on like that spectrum of like awful good or whatever right um, I was like it seems like she would be more of like on the evil alignment which is more like you know I work only for myself but I think mm-hmm. Bella she works in her self-interest but I think she also works a bit in the interest of the people she really cares about so like that being like Darcy because um she does care about Darcy. I think sure. it's kind of obvious. Like, um, and I think that like she's not totally open to helping Darcy, but the way that mm-hmm. like from Darcy's like Darcy believing that she could go to Bella for help probably like kind of clues me into like, oh, they probably had like a more like um beneficial relationship in the past. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, I think, you know, if Bella was entirely like self-interest, mm-hmm. she um that wouldn't have been the case but because she had that relationship she was able to she's like she didn't look out for just herself um and I think also like Bella tell I like to think that Bella telling Darcy mm-hmm. to leave was her looking out for Darcy because as we later find out that you know um Redcliffe puts Darcy's life under threat mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. as blackmail to Bella so I think she works in her self-interest in the Phantom Scythe but she is capable mm-hmm. of like looking out for others and I hope yeah. we see that with Kieran Mm-hmm. Well, and and like I'll just yeah, and uh, I hope that I'm wrong about this. I do, and at the same time, I know that even sociopaths, even though they struggle with a sense of like feeling a lot of emotions, they usually have people that are close in their circle that they align with. So, like the example mm-hmm. that I always think of um, is the Iceman Killer, right? Because I do mm-hmm. I read a lot of documentaries or watch a lot of documentaries on serial killers and one of the things that he this particular 
serial killer was, um, you know, was very important to him was his family. Like he lived the white picket fence life, had, you know, wife and kids. Now, granted, he was abusing them behind closed doors, right? Mm-hmm. So he still wasn't quite the family man that he portrayed himself to be, but he would go through hell and high water to protect them from anyone else. Mm-hmm. So it, it it is possible that they have connections. How deep those connections go is another story. So I don't know mm-hmm. if that's what Soph and F are trying to do here with her character. I'm interested to see where they take her. Um, but I, I still get very sociopathic vibes from, from Belladonna. Oh, yeah. so. I, I definitely see that. I'm okay. I'm biased because I'm a Bella apologist yeah. because he is my favorite okay. character. Like I, I do okay. I should say that, you know, I, I will be biased. Um, but I think like definitely how I perceived Bella has changed mm-hmm. with the course of the comic. Um, yeah. Because like, you know, I think at the beginning in season one, like it maybe mm-hmm. like early season two, I was like, yeah, I could, yeah, she's giving sociopathic vibes. But I think yeah. as we learn more about her, I'm like, there's definitely like a lot more to this. And I think, you know, she's a foil to Kieran, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't really consider Kieran sociopathic. And so I think like she's kind of at the point that Kieran was like early, like really early in the comic where he had like very much mm-hmm. a facade going on, you know, a sure. lot of confidence. But, you know, behind closed doors, he was very much not that. And I think Bella's, like, kind of still, like, riding that wave of, like, you know, everything is fine. I'm doing fine. And, you know. I'll be interested to see what they do. Because this is my early assessment. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. Honestly, until the episode with, um, what was it, Darcy? I thought she was just pure sociopath. I thought she had no emotions. I thought she genuinely thought it was fun to kill people. Um, Mm -hmm. And I didn't think there was any pretense. But then when she had that episode with Darcy, I could tell she had feelings. So I don't know, because the way she talks about everything, all the killings, it does still seem like for her to be that flippant, Mm -hmm. she would have to be like completely, like you said, like stuffing those feelings down or maybe it's been Mm -hmm. like something she decides. I don't know. I I just, it does still feel like she really doesn't care. (laughs) Yeah. I think something that is interesting between Bella and Kieran is that for Kieran, we haven't confirmed that he's been in the Phantom Scythe for seven years now. Maybe like eight now mm-hmm. since it's a new year in the comic. But Bella He's been has... killing for seven years. He could yeah. have been in yeah. the organization. Yeah, he could have been in for longer, another. but we know at least seven years. And the Phantom Scythe has only been around for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so he probably wasn't indoctrinated in, in there until like Allendale train station. Maybe like right. a couple months before earliest. Yeah. 14 um, is the earliest. Yeah. But Bella has been in this and like she has been with Redcliffe um, since for like 15 years, which is definitely longer mm-hmm. than Kieran has right now, unless Kieran was circus, yeah. but this chapter makes yeah. me believe that he wasn't. And so just like with the kind of man that we've seen Redcliffe to be, who's like very manipulative mm-hmm. and he definitely does not like Bella having relationships as we see in 91. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like she would have kind of like learned very early on on how like emotions are a weakness yeah and so like having ingrained that in her as like a very young child because she was like nine-ish maybe when she got picked up sure um, she's a I bit older than def- Kieran isn't she in canon right like um no. I, in canon like okay this was said like 
a year and a half ago probably so it might have changed um but she's either Kieran's age or like a couple years older but we yeah, don't really know yeah I think that's uh, what looks, I remember yeah in I think it might be a little retconned because mm. um I, I like to believe that she's 24 ish maybe a bit older than Kieran but Mm-hmm. in the God, flashback when she age. gets picked up she looks very young mm-hmm. so I was like yeah. that looks like an eight-year-old you know mm-hmm. eight or nine-year-old mm-hmm. but yeah so Bella has definitely like lived in a situation where she had to like where she was like that we know of right now because Kieran we don't know what's going on with him mm-hmm. ever uh, mm-hmm. but yeah with Bella she had to live with Redcliffe for 15 years so mm-hmm. yeah that's a good That'll point do it trained after, yeah so um, back to the conversation, she's like, I don't need redeeming points. And he says, you're a apostle, mate, though. You know how much our leader appreciates people shaming behind his back, which is a very <laughs> ironic statement coming from Kieran. Right. I also like how, again, like on Kieran being the circus, he refers to Apostle 7 as Bella's apostle, meaning mm-hmm. he's probably unaffiliated with Apostle 7. So yeah because kieran theory you are on thin ice right now it doesn't usually <laughs> see apostle four as well so i always just assumed yeah. apostle four was his person and also since apostle four was the one to organize the beating for him mm-hmm. so i don't know yeah uh well bella answers to apostle four as well it kind of just depends what they're going yeah. up against you know mm-hmm. i need certain jobs done for their specific mm-hmm. roles yeah yeah mm-hmm. So um, Bella explains he's managed to get a lot of followers in the past weeks. They're just waiting for his signal. Um, I'd be more worried about what's going to happen if he's murdered than what the leader does to him. And meanwhile, they're dragging the body through the hall and this um, Mortimer guy probably bringing out a table. Moriarty. Moriarty. I'm sorry. I I only know it because of the BBC's Sherlock. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thanks. And the guy is like... He has his hat on and he's bandaged up all over. So, okay, I don't know what happened to him, but fine. He's like, Fleming, it's about time he died. Damn. <laughs> Love how this guy probably has like all of the tea about all mm-hmm. of the killings that go on. It's like, he knows okay, mm-hmm. who's about to die, who needs to die, mm-hmm. who's been like avoiding death. He probably knows about Abel Sandman dodging all of these assassins, right? Like, yeah. So I mean, just, if like, you're like an undertaker, I guess the job gets kind of bleak. You know, hearing the gossip about what's going on must be kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. He might be hearing everything in this conversation that Bella and Kieran are having right now. But I guess he is again like, I got to keep my mouth shut. He's like the, the doctor guy, right? He's like, mm-hmm. I can't say anything because they'll know where it came from. And then I'm going to die either by <laughs> golden venom or by a sword with a flower left over i don't want that so he probably just is no like, flower this time like he's in the like he's in the back in that room with the body like eating popcorn listening to the tea he's like oh, but it's just for him it's just for him but he can't say anything funny well yeah that's what he does he just takes the body goes away puts it in this room it's like, looks like the squid game closes the door right <laughs> Yeah, no, Fleming wakes silent. up and he's like playing the Hunger Games, you know? <laughs> oh and Kieran asks, is the operation, which I, I think, Patty, you're right about the like mm-hmm. information gathering. He's mm-hmm. like, is the operation still on you now that everyone's dead? And she's like, of course, we just got reinforcements. Nobody is irreplaceable, except, wink, wink, maybe you and I, but between you and me. Mm-hmm. And now, this part, 
I think this part is for sure her digging into him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure the leader knows who's more trustworthy. Trying to get a rise out of him, trying to see what's he gonna say. She has yeah. suspicions of him. I think she suspects that he doesn't want to be in the Phantom Scythe and is plotting something. Oh yeah. I mean, like Bo's pretty smart. I think she'd be like, I think, you know, because flowers are like the national flower of Artalis. So I'd assume that like a lot of people have like a bit of knowledge about purple hyacinths. Mm-hmm. Right. So like imagine being Bella and your partner is like yeah i drop a purple hyacinth every time i kill someone and she's like yeah what are you trying to say kieran (laughs) (laughs) and also right like yeah sorry they know each other very well so Mm -hmm. like i don't think kieran could be like yeah i totally want to be in the in the phantom scythe and bella be like are you sure about that (laughs) yeah like as we see right she knows about his past and like his like they know each other on a really personal level we can see here right like a lot of their backstories and like their past relationships and things in their lives right mm-hmm. they're, they're clearly like close in that sense right so she's probably had this on her mind for like a few years now right like oh yeah why are you still with us right and she's just been kind of watching him part mm-hmm. maybe part out of like the relationship that they had like she wants to like she doesn't want to be like betraying him or anything but also out of yeah. curiosity out of like like wanting to know so that she could be prepared for it to come the time that he turns mm-hmm. on them potentially like mm-hmm. I don't know it's it's very interesting to see her yeah. them kind of digging at each other trying to get information out of each other right being honest with each other in a sense or like not being honest what are they telling each other what are they not right yeah I love these Bella and Kieran episodes because <laughs> Lauren is never present and that's what makes them so right. good because a lot you could take everything they say at surface level that's fine but there's often a lot of double meanings in their words and in their words and it makes it super fun to analyze but um yeah I personally think that Bella definitely thinks Kieran is loon I mean hmm. Kieran picks up a police officer girlfriend like she's gonna be a little sus that the man yeah well, get a girlfriend you know <laughs> she she doesn't know for sure again let's do some dialogue no for sure but yeah. like i could see it kind of being like tristan you know because tristan we didn't really see him investigating lauren that much but we did see him like you know make some like off comments mm-hmm. about like what's your angle lauren mm-hmm. and then we find and then we found out like later on after it was revealed that he knew like how he knew and such um, so I think with Bella, like, you know, she's also very perceptive and like she's known Kieran for a very long time. So like she would probably notice how his attitude changes. Yeah, and she does ask him directly. I mean, he mm-hmm. he tells her with this, you know, kind of like down facing, like kind of like serious and attentive and a little nervous look on his face. He's like, What are you trying to mm-hmm. insinuate, Bella? And she smiles, again, yeah, that's Mark focusing on her smirk, and she says, I've always wondered why you kept working for us even after what happened, which is completely, you know, bolded and we mm-hmm. just don't know. We still don't know. so good. Sorry. She does that panel. Everything yeah. about the panel. Um, even when I was reading it, I was like, Bella looks good in that <laughs> that one panel, that right? Like does things for her, you know. <laughs> um like a I was like, Ooh, who's gonna like this chapter a lot? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
yeah this chapter is my religion but yeah also, <laughs> the line like i'm sure the leader know who's who knows who's more trustworthy which is definitely like i'm more trustworthy than you mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. since the leader got her to spy on apostle seven and for that like i was like i was thinking about that and i was like it like yeah Kieran has definitely done some more stuff besides the loon in the past and mm. mm-hmm. like I've it makes me like kind of like more curious about how Bella like is trying to become number one right yeah. in the leader's eyes and I think like you know because there is that rivalry between her and Kieran maybe not like on Kieran's side but for Bella like yeah she's definitely like competing with him um for that title and yeah. you know I like I was thinking like man imagine how frustrating it must be for Bella to like do everything right right mm-hmm. you do everything right and you're still only second to the man who's number one who is literally trying to take down your <laughs> boss like it was a very odd way of trying to get sympathy for bella i just have to say <laughs> See, i'm throwing everything at the wall right now and seeing what sticks you know you know but also right like as we see mm-hmm. later in this as this episode there's a reason why kieran was like kieran had to like re-enter the good graces by doing a lot of murder and like mm-hmm. think like even like with the tower murders right like he broke the record he killed everybody he killed like all of these people right and that kind of to them proved his loyalty right because he went and did the thing that nobody else could do that could have gotten him killed and did it in the most brutal way did everything that they wanted right so mm-hmm. i really want to know like like we see this later like clearly there was before there was some sort of manipulation with like someone that he cared about right and mm-hmm. so what did they do to like get him to say obviously we know that he stuck around to like get information to try and get to the top and then eventually kill the leader that was his goal but it's like what happened to get them to trust him again and like mm-hmm. all these other things yeah he did all these killings but it's like how are they so secure in themselves to be like yeah no, this guy this guy's our guy he's our guy he's our number one yeah. like you know I'm really curious about that well um, and I would question whether or not him being number one necessitates them trusting him mm-hmm. because they could just as easily reveal like they could send him on these missions and know that he's going to do it because they have so much leverage on him it would it wouldn't take much for them to just leak something to the Ardalis de- police department and be like, "Hey, here's your killer." Right? Cuz they've got dirt they on everybody. Then he could turn on them, you know? He knows yeah. a lot about the organization as well, True. Right? So-, True. so it's a tit for tat and it's that's happening in the conversation here too. Mm-hmm. Um I think after we get through these next like five or six panels, I I want to point out the cadence of the visuals. Mm. uh i'm going a little peg on this one (laughs) okay so So, yes let's do it um kieran's in the shadows and he says was i ever given a choice and cabela says killing is always a choice with the very with her first serious look on her face she's not smirking yeah we were children when they forced it upon us and bella's like oh how painful ending it has always been the other option and she puts her hand across her throat and slits it and there's they're very direct they're very in each other's faces but you haven't taken it yet. No, you had a reason like we all did. And that reason, since that reason's been gone for years, I always wondered what your motivation is uh, now. You want to talk yeah. about these panels? So when we go over these panels, look how 
their faces are. So we start out with the panel where she says, you know, but between you and me, I'm sure that the leader knows who's more trustworthy. And then we only see half of Kieran's face Mm. as he's playing this chess move with her. He says, what are you trying to insinuate, Bella? And then we only get a piece of her face in the next panel that says, I've always wondered why you kept working for us. And then bam, there's her face, her full face is like, all right, come to light of day with this, even after everything that happened. And then here's, here's the sparring part where Kieran comes in and he says, was I ever given a choice? And what's interesting to me is that in, in the half face panel, even though he's He's trying to pick at her. That's one of the first um, genuine expressions we get from Kieran. His game face isn't on there. Um, But when she exposes him and starts playing this cat and mouse game with him again and and says, you know, I've always wondered after everything that happened, he puts his game face back on Mm -hmm. and she sees it. And then she gets the serious face. Because I think he struck a nerve with her and she says, killing is always a choice. And she's got the flat looking face there. And then we get another image of Kieran, serious face again. We were children when they forced it upon us. So like when I look at how these panels are arranged, it's very much a back and forth, a tit for tat. We're, we're sparring at this. And we're trying to keep our game face on, but we, there are some times where we can't do it. Um, and we're poking at each other's old wounds because we know what those wounds are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I, I love the way that that flow went and, and how they kept going back and forth between honesty and deception. Yeah. Agreed 100%. That was very well said. <laughs> so uh, I have to say, that's good stuff. Yeah. A point for, Bella not being a sociopath is the fact that she's finally serious when she talks about how killing is a choice, because that is our first indication of any moral questioning on her part and any caring about morality in her part, because she's like, oh, it's so much fun to kill people. And here she's Mm -hmm. basically saying that we're making a choice to kill people. And basically like we're choosing not to kill ourselves and we're choosing to kill other people for whatever reason. And Mm-hmm. But this yeah, is, I'm gonna... she does. She has thought about the morality, and there's yeah, a little mm-hmm. bit more later where she talks about her motivations. But it's it's interesting. Like I, I did not expect that from Bella. I really sure that she didn't care to some extent. But this uh, is showing that she considered it and is doing it anyway. <laughs> Which yeah. maybe a little bit is worse. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think for like both Bella and Kieran, like there's a lot like. They're, they're foils to each other. They're very much meant mm-hmm. to parallel each other. Um, but this is where, really where we see like that difference between their mindsets to killing really coming clash. And I'm going to read yeah. something that I wrote yeah. um, when the episode came out because I think it just says it really well. Yeah, it was good. Um, <laughs> yeah. God, can I just say I love Bella's mindset in this. Like by no means is it healthy, but she points out the very <laughs> obvious that neither Kieran nor her are passive in their murders. They still burden that accountability, regardless of how they came into that situation. Kieran tries to make the excuse that it was forced onto them, but Bella very bluntly reminds him that they always had a way out, that being death. However, both of them choose to sacrifice their humanity for their motives, prioritizing their goals rather than their inherent morality. 
And there's something else I wrote. If I can find it, I'll share that, it. The last part I didn't like, where you called him a selfish hypocrite. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's I him. agree that's with a... everything until then. <laughs> okay. But... Yeah, here we go. I found it. So Karen's excuse makes me think that Karen is in some is still in some denial that, yeah, he's a monster for his actions, but it's not really his fault. He doesn't have a say in what happens, but Bella's correct. Both of them absolutely have a choice when it comes to their occupations, even if that choice is deadly for them. Karen's line about how the situation was forced onto them seems like he's trying to cling on to some sense of morality in his murders, uh, one which Bella has long abandoned. He doesn't want to fully acknowledge the larger role his agency does play in the killings, as well as how he actively benefits from the murders, besides financially and professionally. Yeah. Karen has something to gain personally by continuing these murders, which Bella points out in how his motivation was supposedly dead. He's continuing for some other reason. That certainly isn't whatever the PS offers him for being the purple hyacinth. Kieran is searching for something else at the cost of lives and his humanity, which Kieran accepts he must both sacrifice in order to achieve whatever goal he's pursuing. And then I said, Kieran is a selfish character, killing not because he has to as a purple hyacinth, but because deep down he wants to he as a character needs to because these killings have brought him closer to his motivation right so i liked everything until you called kieran selfish (laughs) but am i wrong because i i think it's like really interesting to think about because kieran right they're in the phantom side still because as bella says like they're looking for they're they they have a reason to stay Mm -hmm. and you know kieran's reason to stay right now that we know of is that he's trying to take down the leader but in order to take down the leader, he has to kill a lot of people. And he is he's playing the long game, yes, but mm-hmm. you know, he's he himself is causing a lot of harm to other people, even if it's like, you know, inevitable because he works as the purple hyacinth. He is like benefiting from this death because it, you know, tells OPS that he's loyal and should be kept mm-hmm. around. Um, which means that he has still has <laughs> the opportunity to pursue that um, death of you know, to pursue like taking down the leader. Wait, I just have one question. If you're going to call Kieran selfish, are you going to also call Bella selfish? Yeah. Okay, I good. Call Bella selfish. Fine. As long as it's you know, I'm just going to throw it out there that good people have selfish motivations from yeah. time to time. Oh, and it doesn't necessarily mean... <laughs> yeah, I mean... I think a lot of the selfish motives that Kieran has are kind of a the ends justify the means kind of morality um whereas bella finds no use for morality Mm -hmm. and you know she like you said uh that she abandoned it because it's not useful it's seen as a weakness in this world um and kieran instead still has it but he's trying to stuff it and pretend that it doesn't exist Mm -hmm. you could also argue that her and Darcy's relationship right like she later says in the chapter I know we've talked about this before and like bringing it up now sorry but it's just part of the conversation where she yeah. says that she would kill the apostle if he ordered her sure. to kill her and that you could argue is a selfish thing to do because mm-hmm. it's that's the one person she refuses to kill not out of any love of humanity or anything but that's the only person she cares about that's mm-hmm. her person like not her person in terms of possessive or anything but you mm-hmm. know oh I care about her I won't do it. I will kill you instead, right? So you could argue that that is a selfish reaction as well. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, I think like we need to know more about the relationship for that because I, it like yeah, it's definitely like in Bella's like you know, um, it's definitely beneficial for Bella to keep Darcy alive, 
Um, yeah. But also, like, she is protecting someone else. So, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I, I wonder, like, you know, is she doing it because, you know, she loves Darcy or also because, like, she does, like, genuinely care about Darcy's life and does not want harm to come to her. I mean, you could love someone mm-hmm. and care about them and not want harm yeah. to come to them. It's like, but then by in protective, like, she wouldn't mm-hmm. do that for literally anybody else, right? It's not out of a love for people. It's she, oh, I care about her. So that's oh, why yeah. I won't do it, right? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. that doesn't make, make her a good person. Like, you know, like, yeah. That. oh yeah I see that I see that. not saying that I don't like Bella and like her whole relationship with Darcy it's just like interesting it's, it's a, yeah. an interesting perspective to think of it through because you could argue here in protecting Lauren and stuff it's almost like the same thing like he cares about her so that's why he's going out of his way to help mm-hmm. her out um, but we've seen their relationship so we know that it's out yeah. of like a caring thing that he yeah. sees her as like the sees her and her friends as the best of humanity and wanted to protect them like we see that we don't know with them so we can't really say but mm-hmm. with with them i mean bella and darcy so it's like interesting yeah. i want to see more i want oh, yeah. more I, t- I totally see that yeah it's like why earlier i said that i see bella as a morally great character mm-hmm. yeah uh, but yeah like this this line it makes you think a lot because like you know i've been talking about this comic for like with people for like almost two years now and you know there's always been that conversation about kieran and like his humanity and his morality Mm -hmm. and you know whether like does like can he be redeemed or it's like are the murders really his fault you know like because it was like you know did he really have any choice in that but bella kind of just like straight up tells us that yeah he did have a choice in this and he did you know play that role like and he is accountable for his actions because like there was like a question like is Karen accountable for his actions because he's mm-hmm. kind of like just the messenger he's not the one who orders the murders he's just the one who carries them out yeah but yeah so like I like this because it gives Karen agency in his mm-hmm. actions it gives him yeah. agency as the purple hyacinth um, but mm-hmm. you know before it could have been like oh Kieran has no agency as the purple high so he, this is being forced upon him and you know it's not really out of his own motivations mm-hmm. but no it is he does have agency yeah. in this and that's what Bella very bluntly points out thank you queen so my husband and I have this argument including this morning I don't know if you saw I posted on my story but like mm-hmm. <laughs> he he and I every time we talk about Kieran we end up I get very angry at him and I'm like how dare you talk about my Kieran like this and he's like Kieran is horrible he's a murderer and he's like in real life, if you were like sipping over a guy who's like an assassin, you're like, but, 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 you're like, you're crazy. And I'm like, you can't talk that way. I'm sorry. Like, this is unacceptable. This is my love and go out of the room. <laughs> Very logical things. So <laughs> you, you guys heard it here, folks. Mindy would choose Karen over her husband, you know? <laughs> no, I don't know. It's a tough one. It's a really tough, 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 tough oh, <laughs> I mean, you do have a sequin flippy pillow thing of one of those people. Yes, I gave it to my friend. Um, yes, it was a present for my friend as a troll. But she um, she said she covered it with another pillow cover that I got her. And I was like, how dare you? You have the to do this right now. <laughs> Basically, I got my friend, um, my engineer, totally not emotional, and one who makes fun of me for all this stuff, um, a pillow with, with the sequins where you like, first it's a sequin, but then when you when you like whatever yeah it's got an image size, on it you see it's my on one friend side had one with a cage on it oh with who? oh yes <laughs> so one side is here and the other side is Tahir so I was trolling her um but yes 
I was like, don't cover it because if not, like you have to give me that pillow. But I feel like someone should anyway. make, someone should make that pillow, but it's like regular Kieran, and then when you flip it, it's like Monster Kieran. Monster Kieran. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. I mean, I'm just two sides, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but had to leave. <laughs> Eventually, we'll be able to make one with the leader and like whoever it turns out. That would be oh, fun. Yeah. That would be the final reveal. <laughs> oh god so anyway so now bella really hits the nail on the head and she says you know what's your motivation revenge perhaps and she taps him on the cheek they're like super close he's like you'd be a very patient man if that was the case i'll give you that she has got it and kieran you see his expression he's like mm-hmm. <laughs> he's serious but he puts on yeah. his smirk tries to hide it and he's like well uh-huh. if you're so convinced of my shifty allegiance why haven't you reported me already and she says you know why and i'm like no i don't know why please tell <laughs> us bella i want to know <laughs> uh i i did want to say that like her you know kind of hitting the nail on the head that's revenge it's like she knew that kieran was protective over someone right mm-hmm. and she makes that comment earlier like oh i thought that motivation was long gone and it's like very heavily implied that she's talking about um mm-hmm. the person that she mentioned back in like 72 or 73 that kieran was like protective over yeah you know and you know past tense that person probably most likely six feet underground yeah um and so you know bella's like conclusion like why would kieran still be here if that person is dead right is that revenge is the next step mm-hmm. one other thing i like as well is um this like i think this is the first time it's been put into these words but we can kind of see that kieran's motivation is over the potential death of a person mm-hmm. similar to how lauren's entire motivation is about <laughs> the potential death of one person are uh, they the same person potentially? We don't know, but it's a cool parallel that I they enjoy seeing. Duh. I mean, yeah. it's like shipping stuff. PH said, I think F was the one who said it, that there were going to be no love triangles in Purple Hyacinth. But right now it's like, hmm, did Kieran and Dylan date? Who knows? <laughs> like, if like, we're having like Dylan that were like good friends. Other maybe Kieran and Dylan like they found comfort in each other because obviously we don't know what happened right like what if Mm -hmm. they were captured together the kids whatever and like they were like the only people that they could rely on because they're both in the same situation alone same age relatable they kind Mm -hmm. of began to lean on each other as like friends we don't know or you could sit together who knows we don't know but I had a little brother vibes because that's how brothers behave towards yeah yeah oh god like man I'm Okay, unrelated and definitely not canon, but I can't help but like think of like Kieran and Dylan like cheering Bella on when they find out she has a crush on Darcy. Like, you know, like how kids do because they were probably like pretty young at the time, and then they're like, "You have a girlfriend?" Oh my god! <laughs> <But> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I totally make fun of her for it. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm really like, curious about like. Uh, oh, sorry. Go. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was, no, I'm, I was gonna change the subject, so you stay on the subject before I change it. No, it's fine. <laughs> okay. Okay, but yeah, when she's like, when he's like, "Why haven't you reported me already?" and she's like, "You know why?" and it's like, "I want to know what your relationship is and why y'all are still covering for each other." Mm-hmm. Lauren's like, "Why isn't he reporting her to the police?" and she's like, "Why haven't you reported me to the passive side?" and it's like, "Y'all have some weird like honor among murderers thing with each other," <laughs> and I 
one to know the root of it. <laughs> they, they seem to have had some kind of direct agreement because she says, mm-hmm. I feel a sense of honor, just like what you might think. I'll keep my word until you are stupid enough to actually betray us. So they, the, the fact that she uses the word word, I think they actually have some kind of pact. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah, they really have a blood handshake like right. Lauren and Kieran did. What if that happened? In the, if we get a flashback to that with him and Bella making a deal of some sort, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> I really hope that they didn't cut their hands with the golden viper knife, you know? I mean, they yeah, would be dead, <laughs> so. Yeah. But also but notice yeah. that she says, stupid enough to betray us. She identifies with the phantom sites. She is the phantom sites. She does not have an identity outside of that. She is one with them. Well, mm-hmm. I think also, like, I know they're, not to be, like, um, devil's advocate or whatever but like she could be like you know she has been referring to like the leader and how she like works only like or like she answers primarily to him and because like you know they're kind of like putting their masks back on right now after like Mm -hmm. that choice sequence and so like i think you know she's kind of speaking from the perspective of the phantom side because that's what she's trying to like yeah still like act as like i'm the purple height uh, not the purple height i am in the phantom (laughs) side you know um so yeah i don't think that she wants to give kieran any indication of any wavering loyalties to him especially since she's trying to like you know kind of like insinuate to him right now about his wavering loyalties Hmm. yeah so and now we have a very comedic scene silhouetted in white she puts her shoulders uh you know arms around her shoulders like who am i gonna train with if you're gone <laughs> everyone else dies so quickly it's boring but then and it's like oh it's so nice and affectionate how cute and then she just needs him in this his stomach cannot catch a break <laughs> i know but it's between funny. like <laughs> dragging <laughs> dead bodies and climbing up onto someone's balcony and now getting kicked in his injury his doctor is going to be so pissed like i told you to lay off mm-hmm. <laughs> but but i had to be all like suave at the balcony and then i had to help a sister out by hiding a body <laughs> and then she kicked me yeah. need me in but my stomach wants to see next episode is just kieran laying in bed resting having like tea and like a hot thermos <laughs> the whole just like shot after shot of him in bed that's it yeah like i i really like this line or like this moment though like who am i gonna train with if you're gone everyone else dies so quickly it's boring like it's very comedic but what i took from it was not because i was like it it gives me like you know everyone else dies so quickly it's boring like kieran and bella are probably like some of the biggest constants in each other's lives because like you know people will come and go but then like you know they die right yeah who am I to train with if you're gone? Like, Kieran is probably like Bella's primary, primary training partner. And again, like we know that they did, mi- they ran missions together, and so like they are like they are friends. Like it's like a stressful friendship in like one like where you're walking a tightrope, but like mm-hmm. you know they've had each other for a while now, right? And that's mm-hmm. you know it's like. I don't think either of them really wants to lose that even if they don't want to admit that because like you know I feel like this is Bella being kind of like bordering genuine like she doesn't want mm-hmm. Kieran to leave mm. okay. yeah I could see that yeah. right 
And poor Kieran, he has, he coughs, he's in a tremendous pain, uh, and then he's like shaking and he's like flattered to be the only one, and only to hold your level, <laughs> be the one and only to hold your level. And then he says, you still owe me, remember? Okay. Okay. What is the, oh, I don't know. She says, oh, I'll okay. pay you back in time. Huh. Okay. So because Kieran has been like, you know, very much like helpful to Bella, like he was willing to carry the body. Like, again, this is like, mm-hmm. I think he has had to help her before. And this is like another reference to Bella's past, but I was thinking like, you know, he does know about Darcy as well yeah. as we see later on in the episode. And like, he, he makes a, a comment in like 72 where he's like, you're no stranger to the game when talking about like charming people. So I like, I definitely think he knew about Darcy, but mm-hmm. um, like Apostle 7 in 91 makes a comment about how, like, I hope that girl hasn't upset you again about Darcy. And, you know, like he blackmails Bella with Darcy. And so like, you know, Apostle Seven has been aware of Darcy's like relevance to Bella's personal life for a while now as well. And so I kind of like to think that Kieran had to help Bella out with something related to Darcy, but also because that trio is like my next favorite thing, even though mm-hmm. it's not even a canon trio. <laughs> <laughs> in your mind, it's the favorite. Yeah, in my mind. <laughs> no, it's in the perfect world, Kieran. Uh, would be third wheeling Bill RC, you know? You're <laughs> <laughs> funny. <sighs> so Bella notices Kieran is like hunched over in pain. By the way, like he hides it around Lauren because he's still like trying to impress her and be there for her mm-hmm. or whatever, not make her work. Also, Lauren didn't see Kieran in the abdomen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, reason point one in Lauren's favor. But Bella, but no, around point, Bella, point not... one in Bella's favor, Mindy, I think. <laughs> Oh my gosh. He needs okay. to get humbled, okay? Like, here needs a good helping. Like, I'm not going to argue. You know? I'll let it go. <laughs> but she notices, and she's like, what is even up with you? And he says, ah, the fourth thought, thought of worthy to teach me a lesson just a few days ago. Don't get too jealous. But his messenger just told me that I might get a big gig to make up for my assignment. <laughs> Uh, one thing I also appreciate is like Bella didn't notice there was anything up with him for that entire time so that just shows how good he is at like acting that he's okay mm-hmm. that even mm-hmm. people who like know him like really really well don't notice it either and it was only after Bella literally need him in the gut and he just stayed hunched over in pain that she was like what's wrong mm-hmm. with you you know so it's just <laughs> well, a testament just... to his ability yeah. to act like he's okay when he's not Mm-hmm. I was thinking she saw it for a while because, like, I don't know, like, what is even up with you? Like, that's kind of like, you know, you say it after, like, you've noticed yeah. it a few times. And I mean, like, they were both like, wincing when they were holding up the body, and then, like, the only, like, yeah, they, he, like when it cuts the- to her talking to him, and then he's just still in pain, and that's, like, the indicator. She's like, what is up with you? Like, why are you still hunched over? Because yeah. I feel like she's probably kicked him in the gut before he's, ow, and then he, like, like holds it yeah, maybe for a second, like- and then he stands up. He's had enough moments like where he's been in pain that I think Bella would have noticed because like, it, but it's like this moment where it's like very obvious that he's in pain that she's like, okay, what's up with you? You know? Yeah. 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 So now <clears throat> she treads on dangerous ice and she says, <laughs> "I wonder if it'll involve killing your little detective like you said you would." Remember? I'm or pretty sure actually... I meant. Oh, sorry. 
I'm pretty sure I mentioned this in the last podcast, but I was like, yeah, I could see Kieran being ordered to kill Lauren. And you know, in I think someone there was like, mm-hmm. absolutely not, you know. And mm. you're like, hmm, Bella and I, we are on the same wavelength, you know. <laughs> but, I am getting like heart palpitations. She's like, but she's totally digging. She's like, or is she actually a girlfriend oh, yeah. now? Since we're old friends, come on now, you can tell me. I oh, love that. Oh. You know. <laughs> Bella wingmanning Lockheed not, and then she's not wingmanning. She wants her dead. <laughs> okay, okay, but like she's still like you know teasing Kieran about it, like you know like their kids wow. or something. This is the worst wingman ever. <laughs> her big brother has a crush, and she has to get after him for it. <laughs> I I think it's sinister. I'm sorry. Oh, like, oh I, I think you know, I mystic person. I think she wants to sell him out. I I think there's she's planning. she wants leverage. I agree with so, you there, but I, she's teasing him too. Yeah, I want information, but again, she's not going to tell that information to anyone in the Phantom site. Mm-hmm. So because again, it's like Kieran has kept his mouth shut about Nera, right? Like mm-hmm. he, like he, he knows about her and like won't yeah. spill the tea or anything to anybody about yeah. that, as far as we can tell. So it's like, but also Bella is working like even having that information if she finds out that Kieran's going to betray them that that's what the thing like she's insinuated that he's going to betray them and then she's like oh and you have a girlfriend now so she's trying trying to poke at that to see if that is going to be mm-hmm. a point of weakness for him yes. essentially she can totally I love- it against him she will use it if she needs to to betray him and to get her killed Lauren killed yeah I love okay I don't trust her at all this is kind of going into the, like the next couple panels but I love how like Bella's trying to tease Kieran about like having a girlfriend and then Kieran pulls a like full 180 and pulls out the Uno mm-hmm. reverse like I know who you have a girlfriend too yeah. oh <laughs> yeah let's read the panel she, he's like my mind hasn't changed I know better than to burden myself with such weakness for them to prey on which we've all said right it's very practical a lesson some of us still have to learn okay and okay. he's like she means nothing to me anymore <laughs> like, like Bella you, okay the closet is glass you know <laughs> Very clear, pristine glass. <laughs> as as we see in a second, he's like, right. Would you kill her if you were possible to order her to? And she kicks him and he's like, she says, it'll be my pleasure to slice his throat open if he does. <laughs> he fully hit that. He knew that he was poking at a oh, wound yeah. that was bleeding and open and he poked it anyways, knowing that she was going to go apeshit. <laughs> and he did it anyways, just okay. to get that W. I'm like, damn, Kieran. Like, <laughs> okay, because again, battle of the wits here. But like, I love how Bella legit is like, she means nothing to me to literally like, I would kill <laughs> the most important man mm-hmm. in my life for her. You know, like, girl, oh my God. Also, like my my also another one of my favorite uh, things that I like to fall asleep to is the imagery of Bella slicing off Apostle Seven's um, head. It's it's very calming for me, you know, very therapeutic. Um, and I love that she straight up says that she would kill Apostle Seven for Darcy. Like, <laughs> girl. Yeah, yeah. Well, and this just shows how volatile and how um how, what's the word i'm searching Short. for mm-hmm. impulsive yeah. she is with her decision making like in in one in one end of her mouth she's like oh yeah i'll do whatever 
you know, the Phantom Scythe tells me to do because we are one. And then when that allegiance gets tested with somebody that she cares about and Kieran pokes at it, she's like, well, I'll fucking kill them. <laughs> and I will right, do it with pleasure. <laughs> like, yeah. And you know right. she's dead serious because if you look at this panel, like, holy crap. Mm -hmm. like that look on her face like uh, also like kieran is like kneeling right now like she Mm -hmm. is poor guy very like she's portrayed as very powerful right now you Mm -hmm. know the shadow now like you know we're kind of like looking at her from the perspective of kieran right um and you know she's standing above him and her eyes are glowing a bit um but yeah like my delarcy heart i was like oh my god (laughs) Look, 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 look. If if they're willing to kill for you, I'm like, mm, okay. Like, you know, let me let me True know a little more about this. <laughs> um but uh yeah, like it, it is like very I find it like really interesting to think about because um you know she's known apostle seven for 15 years now and darcy Mm -hmm. probably even less but like you know and she i think that bella definitely like acknowledges to herself like whether she likes to acknowledge it or not like she definitely does recognize that apostle seven is not you know a very like friendly or like a helpful helpful or healthy person to be around as like kieran kind of tries to poke at later Mm -hmm. um but like yeah, it's like the when Bella found Darcy in her trailer, it was probably like the most emotion we had mm-hmm. gone out of Bella um, mm-hmm. up to that point in the comic because yeah. like, she literally like walks into that trailer, sees Darcy, and Darcy's like, "Want to join me for tea?" And she like turns around and has like a mini panic attack. She's like, "Oh my god, <laughs> my ex is here!" You know, and like. Um, it's like the first time that we've actually like seen Bella like scared or like just panicked even like you know besides her like mask of like confidence um and so yeah Darcy definitely means a lot and especially they Mm -hmm. were calling each other dear and princess like that's kind of suspicious you know yeah (laughs) but yeah so when Bella I I reread 91 because a bit of 91 I skimmed it because I was looking for a panel and uh when like when apostle seven threatens darcy bella looks up like very quickly and mm-hmm. i was reading that and it's like dang like i wonder if bella like in her mind was thinking of like killing him that moment like just for <laughs> it's like oh my god am i gonna have to kill him right now you know mm-hmm. but um i think like also like if even though bella is saying that it would be her pleasure to kill apostle seven when that time comes if that time comes we've seen how like manipulative apostle seven is and he has a lot of leverage over bella and he's kind of like groomed her into Mm. um you know the assassin that she is today and so i wonder like even though if she says it and if she fully believes that she can do it i wonder if like she'll hesitate if that moment were ever to actually come because you know apostle seven is like you know and garen says this later he like she would have died for him but you know i think even though her loyalties are definitely not near him i think you know he was still the man who like took her in and i think she'll remember that and 
you know, mm-hmm. I think Apostle 7 will get into her head and stop her from killing him because he was able to get into the leader's head like a bit last mm-hmm. chapter. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, think the, I, don't, I don't think that, but it w- might be the only murder she would ever regret. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she'll regret it, but I think she'll be scared to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, Kieran says, good for once. And poor guy is like, kneeling he can't even get up he's wincing he's sweating like good for once i must say i would approve your murderous intentions so yeah he normally doesn't approve of her murderous intentions so it's good though he's one to talk (laughs) yeah though once upon a time you would have died for your apostle so yeah it's interesting because the the way that we saw them before was like a very unhealthy dynamic but it looks like she was really into him like he was probably like her father figure or like some kind of mm-hmm. twisted twisted connection that she had with him yeah oh i forgot to mention this oh my god okay i don't know how i forgot to say this but kieran's line about how like um a lesson some of us still have to learn very much directed at bella but also when i was reading 91 i noticed this line that was like apostle seven said um sorry I don't I don't mean backtrack but I this is really important to me <laughs> um he said I I've taught you better than this when he and I believe he's referring to Darcy and so like you know Bella being raised with that kind of influence and Kieran even calling it like you know relationships a weakness now like he knows better mm-hmm. than to burden burden himself with the weak as a or with this as a weakness it makes me wonder about the Bellarcy relationship and like even though Bella does care for Darcy it makes me wonder if she still sees Darcy as like her weakness, you know, and that's also mm. why she doesn't want to be around Darcy because it acknowledges yeah. that she still has flaws. And you know, Darcy, uh, not Darcy, Bella's trying to become number one assassin. She doesn't want to be a flawed person. She's trying to. I think she very has. She very much has like the mindset of I'm going to be perfect, you know. Mm-hmm. And so she can't stand being around Darcy, who reminds her that she very much is still human and she still feels and she. You know, it reminds Bella of what she cannot have in her current state, hmm. which is like, you know, a, a relationship and like human connection. And that for me makes me super sad. <laughs> hmm. And you see, even from her next line, what mm-hmm. she says, like, she doesn't want to be weak. She considers mm-hmm. relationships weakness, right? She's like, I'm stronger yeah. now, meaning like mm-hmm. she's not going to die for the apostle. She doesn't need him anymore. And she gets mm-hmm. very upset. Like, this is her first upset face that we've seen from her. Mm-hmm. genuine anger and Kieran says and I suppose you think you owe it to the phantom scythe and she says I do we do you know the fate that awaits great chapel orphans the circus freed me from that life but the apostle may be powerful yeah and now well we see a flashback of why she felt powerless before we have a crash we see little Bella and we hear someone screaming at her go make yourself useful don't come back before you sold everything. And we see well, presumably her dad leaning in the doorway over her young Bella at his feet. He has a bottle what, of probably alcohol in his hands. And then we see Bella outside in the cold, not properly dressed with the snow, you know, scene that we've seen before. And she has a little match in front of her. It looks like she's looking at it very sadly. She probably has to sell matches or sell stuff. And yeah, and, and then it seems as though She's returning. She comes back. She's like a teenager over here. Same doorway. Only now she's the one looming in the doorway. She's the powerful figure. And there's drunk dad on the couch, passed out, all the alcohol bottles around him, and Bella raising her knife. And he wakes up. 
sees her and sees the knife coming down and stab. So finally, we got our confirmation of her backstory. <laughs> I have so much to say on this. Okay, so again, like I thought the guy was her dad as well, but some people were in the server were pointing out that like it could have been like her uncle or just someone who like they took have her the in. Same eyes though. Yeah, that that's the yeah. thing. Like they have the same eyes. So, but also building off that, I was like, it's the dad and Bella look like nothing alike. And like Kim, like Kim, she definitely looks like a mix of her parents that we've seen. Um, and very much like her mother. But with Bella, like the only thing that she shares is like the eyes, which makes me think that like, you know, she probably looks a lot like her mom, you know, just like face shape, like nose, like hair. Her mom probably had pink hair too. And so I don't know. I was just kind of thinking to myself, like, oh, it's probably really sad. That, like whenever she looks in the mirror, she probably like thinks of her mom. Maybe because like I don't know, we don't know if she knew her mom or what happened to her mom, but like that was just like a sad little head- headcanon in mind. Anyways, yeah. um, I actually yeah. really like that. And I think the reason why I do, I've been watching the new season of Dexter. And mm. so there's this dynamic, not to give too many spoilers, but there's this dynamic between Dexter and his son who comes back to find him. And they start talking about how they share their quote, dark passenger right and so it makes me think of that like that was the one gift if you want to call it a gift um that if this is her father his vindictiveness and his Mm. negativity is what he gave her that's what i see in those eyes oh boy that deadly face that's what i see i think it's like interesting that like you know Bella refers to herself as a great chapel orphan but you know at the time mm-hmm. when Redcliffe took her in she still had her father mm-hmm. but her bio likely her bio father and mm-hmm. so like I find it interesting that she considered herself parentless despite him still being yeah. alive and it definitely yeah. like I mean like, yeah it makes and sense. now we know why yeah it also, I think him yeah, to be an actual parent of hers and I think you're um, still called an orphan even if only one parent is not alive so no mm-hmm. I think an orphan is when both parents are dead no I'm pretty sure. I think so, yeah. One. Yeah. Uh, let me Google. Or like both parents are just like not present for whatever. Like, I mean, or- also, I wouldn't consider him a father either because not only a father is not only just like blood, yeah. but it's also you take care of your child, you do the best yeah. for them, you do, you try to make sure that they at least have like a safe life. He's not acting like a father in this case. He is an abuser in this case. So, like, mm-hmm. for her to think of herself as an orphan. Even yeah. though she has a father or a father figure that, like, yeah, no, that's not, that's not a real dad. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, this... Uncle Tristan is a father figure, right? Even though Absolutely. he's not her dad, Tristan? he's a father to her. He acts as a father to her, mm. to Lauren. I was like, after I was reading this, I was like thinking to myself, like, oh my God, Tristan and Bella should talk. Like, I know Tristan does not know who Bella is and Bella does, like, <laughs> does not care who Tristan is. When he's a dad. <laughs> Like, she needs a better dad figure in her life. Like, her first really? one, kind of bad. Her second one, definitely bad. And then, well, both of them are definitely bad. And then, you know, third time's the charm, right? Yeah, yeah. It's too late for her. Sorry. She's it's too old. Too late. Ugh, come on, Mindy. She's too messed <laughs> up. It's, she's not, she's beyond repair. Sorry. L- I, listen, a listen. And would fix all the problems in my life. And I like to extend that sentiment to Bella. <laughs> listen 90 percent of people can be redeemed 
they they can just everyone in purple hyacinths just needs to get therapy lots and lots and lots of therapy I'm getting therapy right now we've got we've got the ball rolling you know like- yes <laughs> yeah. oh, oh god but i really like how kieran and we we've talked or we've speculated about this before that like you know bella feels indebted to redcliffe for taking her in because mm-hmm. you know like if she stayed in Great Chapel, she would have died. And this kind of like confirms it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we also know more about her parent, her parental situation. And so like, um, I'm Bella- I'm like, sad that we know more about Bella's backstory than Kieran's at this point. Like, yeah. Oh, I mean, oh my gosh. Like, okay, I have something to say about that too, but I, I just want to say that like, you know, it makes sense that why she would have died for like Redcliffe or Apostle 7 as Kieran was putting it. Because yeah. like he was- he, kind of did save her life and I think you know that is going to be what Bella remembers right because mm-hmm. she does kind mm-hmm. of have you know this episode does tell us that she does have her own little moral code um and you know that pact right that she has with Kieran and so yes. I think like you know Bella kind of like she Kieran like says it, like oh you you think that you owe your life to the phantom scythe and basically like apostle seven and bella's like i do we do like mm-hmm. oh who can i can i blow it a little bit remember when we originally talked about the circus and you're like oh those children were forced into it and i kept saying no they saved their lives and like they were mm-hmm. gonna be like cold and dying on the street and kids like enjoy being part of a circus so i'm just saying i'm we, just saying not you said in that sentence was correct though because yeah like i definitely agree that right <laughs> did save their lives but the reason he saved that lives was for his own financial gain so he wasn't saving their lives he was saving financial empire off them i mean the phantom scythe has their own agenda too they as we found out last episode they parade as being these people that are bringing justice to the world but they all have their own selfish motives so Mm -hmm. i i wouldn't put them in the benevolent like th- they can do good things for bad reasons but it's still yeah. a good thing you know like like you can't really say that oh let the let them kids die on the street yeah. you know like i get but, that i yeah, get that exactly. it, it, yeah, but then but using them we are missing we are missing the context of that conversation sure because we were discussing because when we were saying that we were discussing about like whether redcliffe was an actual like antagonist or not and i was saying mm-hmm. i was vouching like yeah he's an antagonist like because it's you know you don't take orphans off the street that you know that you can easily you know manipulate and Mm -hmm. abuse Mm -hmm. and exploit for your own gain so i'm actually curious because you know the the interaction that we have with him in whatever it was 90 something he's obviously very manipulative Mm -hmm. um but i am curious like what was his motivation to begin with like did he start out like why did he want to do this um he's from as well we learned right so it's like So I do wonder if he like started out with better intentions and then just like grew um drunk Greedy, on power selfish. or something isn't yeah. that ha- that what happens with every revolution <laughs> right. I mean they start out with good intentions and then they become the very people they were trying to undo and, and that's exactly what we're seeing here to see yourself become the villain exactly exactly but, yeah like I don't know I'm still kind of suspicious of Radcliffe and especially because of like Darcy's comments in 110 about how he's very popular among mm-hmm. the upper spheres and lower spheres um 
so I think he's definitely like trying to gain public approval because that's how he like gains power, you know. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he yeah. definitely made that circus with the intention to, you know, make money, and mm-hmm. you know, I think you know even though Bella, her loyalties to Apostle Seven are kind of like uh, very questionable and vague, mm-hmm. you know, she still believes that like she owes her life to Rycliffe and that because yeah. the circus you know, the circus specifically, she doesn't say the phantom scythe freed me from that life. She says the circus, which is, you know, Redcliffe's doing the mm. circus freed from that life, that life being, you know, the fate that, you know, yeah. you know, death basically. And I, th- I think one of the things I want to point out, and it kind of involves these next lines from Kieran. So Kieran says, hmm, right. What's that saying again? A bloody cage is still a cage. And he pulls the knife out on her, right? Or sword, mm-hmm. excuse me. Can't believe I said knife. Um, and she's like, <laughs> except the only one that feels trapped here is you. Am I, I love though? That line. Yes. Yes. And here's why. So we've been talking about this whole time. Like, you know, does does the Phantom Scythe have, have noble intentions maybe they did at one point in time and now they've morphed into something totally different um their ambivalence with where they fall on the good to evil spectrum is is illustrated here with both kieran and belladonna because she feels she's so back and forth and ambivalent about her place in this like i owe it to them but i have my own ethos that i that I go by and so does Kieran like he has some allegiances but he has his own ethos too and so it's it's meant to be a gray area it's meant to give us a question of you know who are they really and who, oh, sorry. go ahead go ahead you know the other thing I really like about that line where he says like the bloody cage is still a cage and she's like but the only one who feels trapped is you is like the whole idea of they're stuck having to kill, having to take orders and do mm-hmm. all these things, right? And Kieran sees that as being stuck, but Bella yes. sees that as just a part of her life, and she doesn't mm-hmm. feel burdened or really trapped by it in her day-to-day, but Kieran does, and that really does illustrate the big difference between them and their perceptions of their place mm-hmm. in this organization, right? Bella does it, she couldn't really care less. If they come for her girl, she will go after them, but that's not really... A thing that she's necessarily worried about she knows what she'll do right but at the end of the day she will be loyal until they bite her basically mm-hmm. with kieran he he is not he does feel trapped by it right he yeah it's acting he's working to open the cage to break the cage right so yeah i really like that how that one line basically sums up that one interaction sums up basically the entire episode and how they mm-hmm. perceive themselves in their lives and it's just a really okay. great line. I want to add a bit of a contrasting perspective to that because Kieran's line, am I though? Like I thought that mm-hmm. I saw that as like, am I the only one who feels trapped? And mm-hmm. then look at her expression when yeah. he says that. And she, and she literally just tries to lead the conversation. Yep. At that point. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And the thing was that, that like, I, I thought Bella as trapped. I've seen Bella as trapped because there's a very specific line from episode 89 where Darcy is like, I need an escape. And she's like, you of all people should know how that feels. She says that to Bella, which, you know, 
probably means that like Bella wanted to escape at some point. She wanted to escape something, whether it be like the circus or like the phantom sites. She is not content with mm-hmm. whatever situation she was in at that time. And, yeah. you know, it definitely hits Bella because I'm pretty sure after that is the panels where it's like Bella and Darcy just like staring at each other with like mm-hmm. silence. I'm not entirely sure. Don't quote me on that. But um, like Darcy definitely like is clued in on it. Mm-hmm. and so I think although Bella doesn't try to act like it I think she's in denial because yeah. again yes. like, you know, she doesn't want to sure deep, um, deep, deep denial <laughs> this is also like we kind of skimmed over this but I think it's because you know she sees the phantom sites and she sees the circus as um power and empowerment um because mm-hmm. it was life, a form of freedom for her at one yeah, point the apostle made her powerful and I wrote 2,300 words on this mm-hmm. the other night instead of working on my submission for the fan art contest oh. and <laughs> yeah um but like I the empowerment that Bella feels from uh the phantom side it's very much superficial because yeah mm-hmm. she says that like it makes me powerful right but mm-hmm. she in the phantom side and in the circus she is still kind of like working for the agenda of men and I think it's like very interesting how she joined the circus to escape you know part very much in part to like escape her father um now that like we've learned this about her um and you know that that man had him had her um you know selling matches probably matches to like make money so he could you know drink to support his own lifestyle and then we have Redcliffe who put Bella to work in the circus as a performer so she could make money to support his own lifestyle. And so there's very much like a parallel between these two father figures in her lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like Bella, like, even though like Bella's father, like, you know, she kind of had that thing of him oh. being family. Like she still like, wasn't like, she didn't have her own agency in that. And like, um, you know she wasn't cared for and she like she had to become very independent and then you know mm-hmm. even though she tries to escape that she kind of still ends up in the very same situation just with different people yeah. mm-hmm. and that's like the irony isn't it right because she says um the only one who feels trapped is you where in reality she she is trapped but yeah. she doesn't really she's trying not to see it that way because if she's trapped she's not powerful yep mm-hmm. yeah it's very deliberate she's she's trying to well, the thing that she does she's projecting it onto him because mm-hmm. she doesn't want to feel that for herself she'd yeah. rather ignore reality because it's too painful to face um and so yeah yeah i was thinking about this a lot because um i think what gives bella power especially like with this episode is that bella has choice and that is very much like you know power right the ability to choose um and you know apostle seven gave her the opportunity of power by extending his hand to her when she was a child and she had a choice she could take it or she could not and that just reminds me of um bella and karen's conversation earlier about how mm-hmm. um you know they always have a choice but you know if they don't do what their superiors want or like if they want their way out it's like death so for bella you know she could have chosen to take in Redcliffe's hand or she could have chosen to die mm-hmm. 
and it's a very bleak choice um very bleak outcomes but you know they they made that choice and you know there is power in choice and i think that like bella does find yeah again but that's what bella finds power in but i think what keeps that choice from being like full-on power is that you know it doesn't really like serve her kind of like yeah it's like survival but also like her choices she either has to choose between helping out someone else or like dying basically mm-hmm. and um what I notice is that in contrast with her relationship to Darcy Darcy also asks her to help but Bella has the choice to turn it down and she doesn't face any consequences that would be on par with like you know her straight up dying you know and I think that's like although like you know it's like yeah Bella and Darcy's not in the phantom side I think it's just really interesting how you know in the relationships with Bella that we've seen in our closer relationships um it's always it's been primarily very high stakes and a lot of and you know the people her superiors value her for what she can do for them rather than her as an actual person but you know Darcy does see her as a person and Darcy respects her boundaries when Bella sets them by you know she doesn't try to insist on Bella helping her well anyway I just, let's finish up because we only have a couple panels left and she waltzes out of there like see you around Kieran have fun and the instant she leaves poor Kieran crashes to the floor feels so bad for him Oof. sword is still right in front of him shining he's huffing and sweating and he says I wonder looks at his hands when my next visit when will be my next visit to the morgue and obviously the bloody hands it's a motif where he's like what do i have to do next for once his hands are actually bloody from carrying that body god i want to oh i did first say that kieran this is the second time a woman has had to ask you to let them go that's not very women's history month of you so that is what you find problem with Kieran. Yeah, I forgot to say this earlier, and then we moved past it, and I was like, "Oh, I got to get it in," you know. <laughs> Look, oh, man, man Lauren... needs a nap. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I want for him right now. Yeah. Man, he needs a nap. He okay. needs some soup. Some. He needs like tea. a week off. I'm sure yeah. Soph and F need a week off too. But <laughs> oh. giant oh, God. panels that they're working on in episodes. God yeah 117 panels i saw oh that God. i was like jesus christ i'm trying to remember no. what's the average or like uh, typical webtoon is anywhere between like 60 and 75 panels nice i know yeah. that the finale for season one was really long mm-hmm. compared compared mm-hmm. to the rest of the season so i'm really curious about that to see like ha- have they gotten yeah. longer because i feel like these episodes have been pretty decently long that we've yeah, been getting, you know? Absolutely. We're getting spoiled. It's nice. Yeah. Um, I think um, Inspiration will counted counted panels. I don't know if when he last updated it. It's so bad for him. Like, actually, like, I've thought about, like, you know, when I, like, cite quotes, I'd be like, should I cite it like a book where I count the panels to <laughs> what number oh, of God, no. Like, no, that's so redundant, you know? That <laughs> yeah, feels like English class again. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. But I mean, coming back to these panels and 
you know, what's happening here. We are showing, or we're seeing rather that over time, this little weakness has chipped away at Kieran's steady resolve and both physically and emotionally. And so now he's really questioning himself for, he was, he was deflecting onto Bella mm-hmm. um, and saying like, you know, do you really, uh, am I really the only one who's trapped? And, you know, do you really have, it was his way of questioning. Do you really have this power? Do you really have this freedom? And he still questions it for himself. And we see that here. I wonder when will be my next visit to the morgue? And if you want to talk about foreshadowing, like basically mm. just hit me over the head with it. <laughs> I'm so nervous. I'm like, who will it be? Please I know. Kevin, please not Sam. Well, also, and um, I, I just want to add to that, like about people dying. Uh, yeah. I need to prepare for tomorrow night's kill. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you come back. Like, it's probably not, but I'm like, hmm, girl, who is that next kill? You know? <sighs> I don't know. Do we think, do we think based on the episodes that we've seen before, do we think that F and Soph would kill Kieran? No, no, absolutely not. No, No. it would be like, that is a emotional response. Like, I don't think you can kill Kieran off well, like given (laughs) everything that they showed, (sighs) not even related to Kieran, but just like, you know, the morality of the world and how (laughs) that like, I'm like, maybe fake his death. Like, yeah, maybe fake his death, but I feel like- I worry so much. I feel I like if they know. did kill off Kieran, no matter how they write it, it would just be hypocritical of everything that they've tried to, you know, share in the theme. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I just live in fear constantly that they're going to kill him, you know? Like, I've I been burned. Some I of can't. my favorite characters have died. Food, I know some of your favorite characters no. have been murdered as well. We just have I to did. deal with it. And I, I worry- I can't. But I'm going to expire. You didn't have to bring that up on the day that they announced the live action movie for the show. You that like, really DM life. me about it. So okay, okay. hold on. Okay, basically, for context, uh, my favorite character ever is from this show called Voltron, a legendary defender. And they killed off my favorite character, and I got to see his melted corpse. So I hope that <laughs> doesn't happen to the Kira's. <laughs> They also didn't make my ship canon. I can't. No. Really can't. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh god. But, but Patty, by the way, that's that is, I will say, as much as I'm literally like dying if I have to think about it, I that is what I thought when he said, Oh, I wonder what my next visit to the morgue mm-hmm. I was like, Yeah, uh, you'll come as a body, not as a murderer. But I really cannot think about it because I'm I, I'm not like I really can't. I just can't. I'm not the kind of person who was like I just don't want to really cynical and morbid like I am. If it happens, I seriously might have to like not be on that episode because I just cannot handle it emotionally. I will break yeah. down. Like you set it up and you'd be like, okay, you guys talk about it, have fun. It'll yeah. be crying like, for three hours. Like I can't. <laughs> I mean, please don't get me wrong. I love Kieran. He's a fantastic character. And, and at the same time, like in the very beginning, like maybe not now because of season like the end of season two. And the beginning of season three and how he's basically getting his redemption arc, right? Mm-hmm. But it really in season one, I questioned it. I was like, how can he come back from this? I don't even know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I was like, honest, I honest to God thought that he was going to get killed off by the end of the series. I yeah, really did. Like- now I question it, but 
I don't want it. I've had, I don't um, want it either. But like, part of me was yeah. like, I could see them doing that just to make us suffer. No. Yeah, I've had the <laughs> like, I've had the like, will Kieran die or not? Like conversation, like probably hundreds of times now. But oh, I'm sure. I'm kinda, yeah, I'm kind of desensitized. To <laughs> but um, like, oh, I don't know. I just. I feel like if they did kill him off, it'd be like, oh, look at this angst, you know? But, like, angst doesn't make good writing. Oh, wow. Bullshit. Bullshit. Wow. No, hold on. Yeah, I hold disagree. On, on. We love I write angst. angst. If you're writing <laughs> angst in a way that, like, completely conflicts with the major themes that have been presented in the story, and it's just, like, hypocritical to the narrative, then it's like, oh, I kind of... I kind of wonder why you're trying to like make this thing happen and why you're like kind of forcing it right when you know everything else thematically and you know you know if you're trying to write this arc where everything like kind of ties together at the end you know chopping off like the character that kind of embodies the themes of your story does not seem like the best idea like if you're trying to like in like sacrificing the heart of your story for you know people to cry mm, so I, I, I don't, don't know. know if I I don't know if I agree with that because I think that Kieran like if I I, I suspect what you're saying is that mm-hmm. you know Kieran needs to get redemption. So I do think that it can come with with death. But again, mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm saying this because I don't want it to happen. But, so I forget oh it. God. I'm just gonna say Fu, I agree with what you say exactly. <laughs> I would fight the death by redemption trope in a Denny's party. I know. I, know I hate it with a passion because <laughs> he's earning it right now. Like he doesn't need to die to get it. He's working on it right now like because i think like you know there's no way that the death by redemption trip can be done well because they either die after the redemption arc which kind of makes it a little obsolete you know you you put in all this work you don't really get to reap the benefits of it besides like you know that's the tragedy that's why that's why it would be a tragedy i know but now i need to write a ph fic where he dies oh my god (laughs) (laughs) i used to write and i I would cry all the time but um mm-hmm. yeah i like you know but if you kill a character to redeem them then you basically like the, that character puts no work into actually redeeming themselves they just die and everyone forgives them you know and that probably won't happen to karen because he's going through like his way of like you know healing right now but mm-hmm. um you know just to kill him off at the end of the story like maybe when he's in old age i get it but like to kill him off now you okay. know i I'll let him die when like, he's when he's like in his 20s i'm like i don't know it's like it's it's depressing and like yeah i understand like why like you know you want to bank all that angst but you know it's just it's like what was the reason other than straight up angst you know i mean it wouldn't be for straight up angst there's probably going to be some narrative that like if they were to do it which i don't want i mean like but if they did it wouldn't just be for the angst factor there would be a lot in the plot or something put it together i would think but I just yeah. don't want it, so I'm not going to think about it. But, you know, like, Soph herself has said that, like, the theme of Purple Hyacinth is healing, and so mm-hmm. killing off the character that is actively working towards that healing and, you know, act- and is trying to become a better person. Like, I- even Kieran said it, like, I've become a better person because of you, Aww. right? Like, if you're, you don't kill that character off while saying that, sure you know, your I'm comic is you. about healing, <laughs> because it's Kieran. You know, we could say that, like, you know, Karen is actively trying to seek healing from everything that he's gone to, gone through. And so even if he has done, like, terrible things, he is trying to, like, make amends for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, just punishing someone for that, like, through death. Is, like, I mean, like, it doesn't matter, like, what he does. It's, like, ultimately, like, you know, 
narratively <laughs> overall in a bigger scheme you know death is often punishment for something right you know like like a disney villains they die at the end because they were like villains you know well ah uh, but death does in. not see i and i won't go off on too much of a tangent here but i don't think death in and of itself is always a punishment I know, so i like, don't completely agree i, I could also better, don't completely like, i also don't want to be on a full on tangent sorry i i hear you and i also don't think that angst is completely out of the equation now if it's if it's completely incongruent with the plot sure i get you um i just think that you know in the in the earlier stages i thought that it was very possible that he could have been killed off by the end of the series and now i question it because there is this work that he's doing so you're right in that aspect um but I just don't, I don't think that like flat out, like axing angst and axing death as redemption. I, I don't necessarily agree with that from a story perspective, but that's okay. That's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, like, cause like maybe it's just, I've seen the death through redemption trope done very poorly in the past. That's entirely, uh, that's yeah. 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 So I can see I that. Have a negative view of it, but I also just like, you know, there's, you're a Kieran simp. You want him to live. I'm not a Kieran simp. I just think it would <laughs> not make a lot of narrative sense to heal him off. But, you know, right. that could evolve as the story goes on. Um, but, you know, there are also some themes in the story about, like, the death penalty has been brought up a few times, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, um, you know, there, that is, like, very much a real debate. Like, is the death penalty, like, a good thing or not? I would personally mm-hmm. say no. I think it should abolish the death penalty. But, you know, that is something that was abolished in Purple Hyacinths. And so, like, you know, um, punishment by death is very much something that exists within that world. And, mm-hmm. you know, if that is a theme that is present within the story, that, you know, death is, that death can be punishment, um, mm-hmm. I think it'd be kind of weird to give Kieran that. Um, Fair. And, like, also, like, you know, everyone's, like, rooting for Kieran to, like, have that, like, happy ending. And I think, like, you know, it'd just be kind of disappointing if he died, like, from the perspective of, like, the audience. Mm-hmm. However, like, I feel like I do have to mention, because everyone has been bringing this up lately, like, does Bella survive? Because, you know, if Kieran, if we think that Kieran's going to die or if we believe that Karen has enough plot armor not to die, like, where does that also put Bella? Because she is very similar to him, but she doesn't mm-hmm. really, like, mm-hmm. have everything set up like Karen does that would really justify her living to the end. And I think that's also something interesting that we could talk about. Well, and I think uh, at the very end of things, like, just knowing what I've seen from this comic so far mm-hmm. is that I don't think we're going to get a complete happy ending. I think it's going to mm-hmm. be wrenching no matter how it happens like we we will probably like uh, i'll i'll be on that wavelength and say he will probably survive but there will be a cost Mm. yeah Mm. i yeah the ending is 
a lot of people believe it to be bittersweet. I also believe it's going to be bittersweet in some way. Like it's not going to be like, and then we're happily ever after. No. We're not. We're not going to like sail off into the sunset. So yeah. sorry. I don't like stories no. that have happy endings. But I want like, this to end like how I don't know if any of you watch anime, but Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood has one of the best endings of anything I've ever seen because mm-hmm. it's bittersweet. There is cost and consequences to the characters um like actions during the finale and stuff i don't think i would change a single thing about it though because it all feels so like complete and satisfying like yeah. for me as a person who watched it it is my favorite anime ever for a reason and it's just such a good way to and that conclude that story conclude all of these characters arcs in a way that doesn't feel like it's all sunshine and rainbows but also it's not doom and gloomy that there's a mix yeah. it's like a mixed bag yeah but generally hopeful and I love that and I want that's what I want for PH yeah I I completely agree like I don't think it would be a satisfying ending if Kieran wasn't there to see it like Mm -hmm. you know like I you know I think he like does I don't know I don't really know if I should put like do characters deserve whatnot but I think like you know he's he's worked for you know he's worked for like a better ending for himself like you know and he, he's put in effort to you know make himself a better person mm-hmm. and he is actively like trying to just make amends for his actions and he does feel regret over like what he has had to do mm-hmm. and so like you know I think that for a character at least when you're writing that like you want to see the fulfillment of all of that which would be like a happier ending for him like not a perfect ending probably given like kieran has killed hundreds of people but um you know just something where like he doesn't die right like you know that all that word comes to some kind of fruition we shall have to wait and see yeah but if bella dies though <laughs> i'm flooding the street with my tears all right again i'll feel it through the ether if she dies who has read it i'll like be thinking of it yeah i'll like rise up from the dead like you know but it's in a sense like a disturbance in the force (laughs) yep well thank you so so much for joining this was a great episode there was a lot of discussion awesome discussion so thank you so so much for being wonderful yes co-host as always thank you for having us again mindy and good to meet you patty it was nice mm-hmm. to meet you too as well thanks for having yeah. me i had so much fun discussing this with you guys and especially <laughs> with patty because like we haven't talked about purple high since before um, i know yeah and such a good episode too like mm-hmm. it really was five yeah. you know maybe nope. top three maybe number one <laughs> it's definitely up there yeah yeah a lot of content Awesome. Thank you so much, ladies. Have a wonderful night. See you later. Bye. Thank you to my current patrons. Susie, Leah Lepris, Lily, Jenny, Molly, Veronica, Emily, Emily, Joe Rochelle, Saucy Tangles, Meg, and Rose, Priya, Alexa, Misty, Joanne, Patty, Milda, Esther, I'm watching people, Taurus, Papa, Steve, Marie, Emily, Jean, Jen, Erin, Kay, Lily, Beckett, Duranda, Christine, Sadie, Kelly, Daniel, Teresa, Mrs. Castaldo, Kaylee, and Jen. Your support is truly appreciated.